humanity cannot survive. Replicants are the future of the species. In Blade Runner 2049, a dark force threatens Ponyville, and the main six, Twilight Sparkle, Applejack, Rainbow Dash, Pinkie Pie, Fluttershy, and Rarity, embark on an unforgettable journey beyond Exquisitio, where they meet new friends and exciting challenges on a quest to use the magic of friendship to save their home. What's up everybody and welcome to Anime Baby, where androids do in fact dream of electric sheep. This is your host, More Human Than Human Mikey, and joining me as always is... The Replicant on the Run, your co-host, Ryan. And, I'm gonna be real with you here, we love to talk about good things on this program, you know? I feel, I feel talking about things that you like makes for a more enjoyable experience, not just for you, the listeners, but for us too, you know, having to watch it and do it. Well, sometimes... Once at a blue moon, we like to dip into the bullshit territory. And, uh, I don't know about you, but I definitely see a blue moon rising. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're talking about Blade Runner Black Lotus. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm happy with the quick turnaround for this one, because it's, it's not been too long since it ended. <laughs> no, like, uh, time of this recording, uh, end of February, it only ended about uh, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. Man, I love it when we review things, like, quickly, and, yeah. like, with, and within, and within the relatively close to the, uh, uh, talking sphere among people. Yeah, we've only done it a few times, but it, it is always nice. But uh, yeah, talking about a show here that uh, should have came in hot, but actually came in cold and left even colder. Uh, yeah, this this one was a bit of a disappointment. Like, probably one of the reasons why I don't really like it, because, you know, it's not one, it's not a case of, it's a case of, like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Mm-hmm. But, before we get into that, I feel we should balance things out, talk about uh, something that's actually good, something exciting, something we've been looking forward to for the last three years now. Yeah, let's talk about Anime Detour. Ah, uh, you know what? Why not? <laughs> Just, holy shit, like, when was last time? End of March 2019 we went to Detour? Uh, possibly. It's been quite a long time. Long, long ass time. Uh, yeah. I, I, I remember the, the, the utter disappointment from then. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like, we, let's just go through some stuff that we're looking forward to, you know, like, uh, what are we going to be planning for Detour and everything, cosplays, panels, and all that. Yeah, and let's do this. Let, let, let's hype it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the first thing we can talk about is uh, cosplays, because, you know, that's kind of a, that's a big thing. And also, for me especially, it'll be the first time I'm ever really cosplaying at a con since, uh, I want to say 
Asin 2018. That was probably the last time I cosplayed. Mmm, okay. I think the last one for me was, uh, I want to say, wasn't it Goro Akechi? Uh, yeah, Goro, Goro Akechi. Like yeah. when we uh, did that uh, Persona panel, Detour 2018. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, something around yeah, that. Yeah, Goro Akechi and I was uh, Ren, Joker. Yes, yes. So, yeah, it's been a while for us, but, and, um, I, uh, I kind of wanted to... Yeah, I really wanted, like, some new project to really work on during this pandemic since, you know, not much going on, really. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, for a, for a big return like the Anime Detour, I figured, yeah, it's appropriate. I am only doing one cosplay for Anime Detour, and I guess maybe as time has gone on, I've realized that uh, if, if I can really put my heart into a, into a costume, and if it's for a character I truly, really love, then I really will go through with it. And uh, it, it just so happened to, and uh, last year I was heavenly inspired because I will be going as uh, uh, Rasputin Aquato from Psychonauts 2. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> or the Psychonauts series, but I will, do, I will be doing his Psychonauts 2 costume. Excellent. It's a great outfit. Yes, I, I hope it comes together well. I'm sure it will. I mean, the, the jacket, like, it's, it's the jacket I'm zeroing in on. It's like, I did the best I could based on, like, what I could find online. But most of what I could find online was just utter crap. Because <laughs> the jacket he wears is, like, not super distinct. It's very unique. It very... Because, like, I've heard people, like, argue, like, hey, is, is it a leather jacket? Is it a... Is it a... Uh, a duster bla- or something? Is it a blazer? Or, like, is it just is it just an oversized blazer that he's wearing? Yeah, like, I, I haven't been able to get, like, a good straight answer online. It's been really difficult for me to zero in on something that could I could use for the cosplay. And so I look around for each individual item and most of the items online as far as coats go are crap. <laughs> Sites repeat images, like clearly steal images from elsewhere and like resell the jackets like elsewhere or even just like selling them through there but like it looks like no one took an updated photo in years. Oh, the fucking jacket. <laughs> like all like all of them just look so off what I'm looking for. Even the one I'm getting right now has black buttons on it that I do not like because that's oh. not that's not on the costume. But like I'm like whatever it's it's brown enough for me. Like I guess I'll use it. <laughs> <laughs> God, that I was very frustrated about the jacket the jacket that I could not find anything proper for it. Mm. It's gonna be one of those items that I'm just gonna have to commission in the future. Yeah, most likely. And I found out online it's hard to find someone who will make a full size jacket for you. Oh really? Yes. Mm. <laughs> I mean, fine, whatever. Like, use faux leather on it. Like, anything to bring down the price. That's fine. But, like, it's hard enough to find someone who will actually make a jacket for you. Mm. Uh, like, it's even an item that can make, take, like, months to make, too. Oh, I can imagine. I really got I really got to search around online. Maybe, like, ask some people. Like, get some recommendations. I know some people on Twitter I can maybe ask up. But, like, as, as of now, the jacket is, like, the one part of the cosplay I'm the least... Uh, proud of. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like I wish I had gotten something better for that. Uh, aside from that, though, uh, the helmet is the most pr- proud thing I got for it. You showed me that helmet when you first got it commissioned, and I think it looks great. <laughs> it, it is legitimately awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, oh, wait, I actually have the info of the guy who made it. Oh, yeah. Get, let, me get, let me give a shout out. Yeah, plug him. I would like to give out, I would like to give a shout out to Leatherhead Originals on etsy.com for making the Rasputin helmet. Fantastic work. Really good work on that helmet. It's great stuff. 
Like he he re, like he really did a great job like nailing the details on it. <laughs> I'm very I was very satisfied with that helmet. What's more, I've even been growing up my bangs. Yep. So I can dye a portion of my hair like wine red <laughs> to look more like Raz. And you're gonna like curl it out a little bit. I, I want to see if I can do that. Yeah, get some hair gel or some hairspray. Yeah, hair hair gel or something. Like I've never dyed my hair before. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe someone else can help me with that. <laughs> but I want to at least like go the extra mile for that. Yeah. And uh, I did dye a, I did dye a sweater uh, relatively close to turquoise or teal. Mm-hmm. Like I'm satisfied enough with it. It, it works. It gets the idea across. Yeah, it looks fine. Mm-hmm. And I might be able to use some like denim, denim jeans for like the pants or something. Uh, I am also getting uh, leather gloves in the mail pretty soon as well. Uh, I got a messenger bag online. That's another item I will probably commission a new version of in the future, just because, like, the actual uh, messenger bag in game has a nice uh, kind of design, a uh, Psychonauts-inspired design on the front that I really like. Yeah, this is uh, this is definitely going to be, like, a Mark One costume. Yeah, just a bit of a test drive, but enough to get it to show your love for Raz. Yeah, but I, I do legitimately want to, like, improve it in the future. Oh, yeah, like, those are the kind of the best kind of cosplays where you, you start off with it and you just kind of get better and better each time. Bring it back, make that your trademark. Yeah, and actually build off of it, make it better, as opposed to the uh, Lord Hater cosplay uh, yeah. in that bag over there. Yeah, I mean that was good first try. Yeah, that was. I, I'm still proud of that first try. And also, didn't uh, didn't Craig McCracken see it? Yeah, he did actually see it online. Yeah, <laughs> so he got that. I was quite happy with that. Mm-hmm. I wish he saw the actual like final design because I think the one he saw was like uh, an even more prototype version of that. That was at a Halloween party for my anime club back in college. Mm. I don't think he ever saw the one that I finalized. Oh, okay. Which that one, I unfortunately did not get many pictures of. Oh. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I think I just didn't think it through very well yeah, or something. Yeah, just didn't have anyone to take pictures for you. Yeah. Also, that costume, I, I should have had someone following around me in that costume because <laughs> <laughs> it was very cumbersome. Yeah. <laughs> I, st- I was still proud of, like, the... Uh, the uh, the jawbone I, yep. made, I made out of the uh, the the sort of like a uh, construction helmet. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was some inspired work for me. That was good stuff. I I like that, mm. and I did like the gloves too. Like he fashioned like uh, dish gloves, and he had little <laughs> little claws at the end of it. Maybe to the trained eye that looked really dumb. Yeah, but no, uh, just but like at at a glance, you know, that's like that's pretty clever. That's you know, costly on a budget. Right, right. <laughs> People respect that. Hardly a budget. I put a I put a good amount of money in that costume. I, mean, I, I lack the skill. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> uh, but uh, okay, so yeah, uh, at Anime Detour 2022, uh, look out for me as uh, Razaquato. <laughs> and that'll be uh, all three days kind of thing. Um, maybe pop in and out here and there. Maybe pop in and out of that one. Okay, it's it's relatively easy to pop in and out of at mm-hmm. least. So I'm happy with that. But yeah, I do like to go casual during parts of the con. Okay. But uh, who knows? Then again, it, being given the ease of it, though, the ease of putting it on, I could see myself actually going around the entire con in it. Maybe, maybe switch out for certain panels, you know, just mm-hmm. drop the persona a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe for that. Okay. But yeah, ra- Raz, I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I just, because again, Psychonauts 2 dropped last year, and now it's one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. <laughs> And it just made me love my favorite, one of my favorite video game characters even more. Yeah, like... Like, I had the passion. <laughs> I had to transfer that into something to show my love. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I finally will. Yeah. Oh, rah-rah, Rasputin, 
Psychonauts' greatest psychic machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but as for me, I, I have a lot planned for this one. I have, you really do. I'm going all out on this one. You have your plate. You have a full plate. Yeah, like you know, first time cosplaying in a long time. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit it hit it hard. Which uh, I was going to hit it hard for uh, Detour 2020, but we know how that turned out. Mm. Originally, I wanted to do uh, another cosplay, but unfortunately, uh, getting the items together and also the price that was kind of that was starting to get a bit much, you know. And I kind of really want to save some money for some stuff. So uh, I won't say it now because I do want to do it later in the future. But unfortunately, I had to cut one. But in instead, I thought of one kind of on a whim because I'm really getting into this new show as of late, and I, I think uh, I think I'm really looking forward to this one. Friday, all day Friday, I will be cosplaying uh, Marin Kitagawa from My Dress Up Darling. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, best girl of the season! I haven't, I haven't seen, like, small, small snippets and, like, clips and gifs of that series, and it looks very charming. It's fucking adorable, and I love it. Horny in places, but that kind of wholesome horniness, in, in a mm-hmm. way. You know, yeah. very sincere. Like, you know, I, I saw the clips, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna watch the show. I was gonna take the season off, but I'm watching the show, and I'm all like... She just completely won me over. I'm just like, I want to cosplay Marion. I want to cosplay her. <laughs> and the cosplay's easy. It's just a school uniform. And the hardest part was the wig. And even then, that was kind of easy. Because it's a blonde, long, blonde wig with, like, uh, magenta pink highlights. But they sell wigs like that. So that was easy. Yeah, I'm glad that, that I'm glad that you were able to actually put that one together in such a short period of time. Yeah, like, yeah, fast shipping, too. So, yeah, good stuff on that. And that'll be my uh, all-day Friday cosplay, even during panels, too. I'm not... You may drop the persona, but I'm I'm keeping full on persona for that. <laughs> like I'll still be me, but still in costume. Right, right. Just be, just watch out for cameras, because like cameras are at the center of that series. So yeah, I, I fully expect there to be a ton more Marines and Gojos there as well. So hey, maybe group pictures or what or something. Mm-hmm. I mean that that one that I, I'd be kind of interested to see that one because it's like how in character will people really get for that one? Yeah, and I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure if. If it's as good as I think, I, I I will be in this one. I'm pretty sure I probably will get stopped a lot for pictures. <laughs> but yeah, that's Friday. Uh, Saturday, I got a twofer. Two for one deal here. Saturday morning, I will be cosplaying uh, Kokune Fuwa in her casual outfit from uh, Delicious Party Pretty Cure, the new Pretty Cure that came out. Of course. Like, you fell in love with Pretty Cure in pre- recent years. Yep, and I feel like, you know... You first, gotta do one. First detour back, I gotta do a Pretty Cure cosplay. I thought of some other ones, but, you know, time and money didn't really work out. A lot of stuff that I'd probably have to commission. But with uh, Coconut, fairly easy stuff. Like, I just looked online. Can I find this? Okay, got that, got that, got that. Everything, done. All I had trouble was, uh, again, with the wig, but I had a friend help me out with that. She pointed me to Arda Wigs, and I was able to get a very nice one. Hey, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that'll be Saturday morning going into the afternoon, because there's some uh, pre-cure events going on that day that I kind of want to be cosplaying for. And then uh, afterwards, uh, later that night, I'll be uh, bringing back uh, Ochaku Uraraka from, uh, you know, my Halloween pictures a few months ago. Yes, those those Halloween pictures came out really well. Yep. So Though instead of the uh, school uniform top, instead I'll be wearing a, uh, a UA uh, soccer jersey that I got from Box Lunch. <laughs> because uh, one of the pictures I took was me in my Ochaku cosplay, but with like my Vikings jersey. And I thought, I like that. I like that look. I want to try something like that. So I could decide, yeah, get a soccer jersey. Yeah, that'll that'll look really well in the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'd be nice to do that. And then uh, later that night for Saturday night's fun night of uh, partying down and all that, I'll switch back to to Marine, but a more casual Marine. You know, I'm just gonna be I'm instead of the shoes I'm gonna be wearing for that one on Friday, I'll be wearing my usual uh, my yellow Jordans with that one. 
Yeah, I got sunglasses, denim jacket, which is for another cosplay, and also uh, an Amelie t-shirt, because Amelie plays her in the dub, so it can be a little meta there. Hey, not a bad idea. Yeah, so that'll be my fun Saturday night partying outfit. <laughs> and then Sunday morning, close things out, you know, gonna be gonna be a lazy Sunday. I feel like I'm gonna be a little freshly squeezed. Gonna be Orange Cassidy. So yeah, all day Sunday, just, uh, you know, denim jacket, Orange Cassidy t-shirt with a picture of himself on it. Denim jeans, my Jordans, sunglasses that'll fit over my regular glasses, and I'm just going to be, you know, hands in the pockets all day, just kind of lazing around. They are lazy days, so that would be very appropriate. Yep, and that could also be the day that I go for uh, autographs and pictures, so I would like to get a, I would hope to get a picture with some of the uh, the guests, with uh, both of us just kind of doing a half-hearted thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> those look very, those will look like, those will be very nice pictures, I imagine. Yeah. Four cosplays going hard all weekend and hey that's not the only thing we'll be having going on either yeah uh one thing is we got going on uh panels two we got two panels this year yep yep some more just some classics from us because it's been a while since we've been at detour yeah so we kind of want to get into the groove of things and instead of doing some of the newer panels that we tried to do back in 2020 we just want to you know play the play the best hits and that'll be uh friday night 11 p.m we will be doing toonami year in review bring that back yeah, I, I I still don't know how we're gonna do that recap actually because there's been so much to, so much to talk about. Yeah, I kind of figure you know what, I'm just gonna pick a solid starting point. I was kind of thinking maybe just start January 2021 and just go from there. Okay, not yeah, too bad. And just go all the new shows from there too, because I don't think a lot of people want to remember 2020. So just start well, start off with a different year. Right, right. So yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun one. Late night, Friday night, going into Saturday. I'll be very happy to talk about more Toonami. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And it's always it's one of our consistently best ones too. We'll have to hold we'll have to hold ourselves back for uh, one in particular for there. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Black Lotus. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you folks, fine folks here, will be hearing that right now. Yeah, because because in all likelihood, like when is this uh, when is this episode going to go up? Uh, this will probably go up uh, about a week before Detour. Mm, right, right. So like, you're all you're already gonna hear us like blab about this right now. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna, and then if you haven't heard it, then I'll turn you all to this podcast, which I say, hey, everyone that I mentioned to this podcast, do at Anime Detour. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? Welcome. It was good seeing you out there. Welcome. Thank you for coming to the panel. <laughs> Welcome from the future. <laughs> uh, how about that thing we did? Uh, and you like that? Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> did you have a fun time? Yeah, I'm sure you did. I remember you guys from there. You especially loved it. Whew, wasn't that such a good anime detour? The greatest, best of all time. Wasn't that such a bad anime detour? Oh, I'm, I'm covering, I'm covering my bases. <laughs> oh god, horrible, worst I've ever seen. Oh my god, just absolutely oh, awful. Just, uh, COVID killed it, man. We shouldn't be having <laughs> cons during this time. <laughs> Especially that thing after that one guy did. Like, oh my god, that one guy. Oh, seriously, he just, oh, just uh, can't ruined even, the party. Can't even, can't, can't even mention it. And like the streakers that came there. Oh geez. Oh, they just oh, worse, bad timing. Well, worse than a, f- a football match or the Super Bowl. Come on, guys, we're trying to put on a good image here. Children around here, man. <laughs> Think of the kids. <laughs> there, there. Our, our bases are covered. Covering all the bases. <laughs> good detour. Good detour. Bad detour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, that's not the only panel we'll be doing. Uh, we'll be doing another one, bright and early Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Uh, Miraculous, simply the best. Talking about Ladybug. Yeah, Ladybug at a convention that will have two major ki- voice have, actors there. That'll have Bryce Pappenbrook, aka Cat Noir, and Keith Silverstein, aka Shadow Moth. Mmm, that'll be satisfying. That'll be great. I'm 
pie in the sky dreams right here, I would hope that they kind of pop their heads in and say like, like hey, thanks for the support. Oh, and that'd be the best. That'd be awesome if they're not doing anything. Man, that's another panel where we're going to have a lot to recap, though. Yeah, because uh, when we originally planned to do this in 2020, we were going to just recap Season 3, since we already did Season 1 and Season 2, but now it's like, we got to talk about both Season 3 and Season 4. And, and Season 4 is so front-loaded. It's jacked to the gills <laughs> with info. You need a whole nother panel to talk about Season 4. It's like, we only got to hit the high points, and we just kind of we kind of got to reckon with the crowd and say, you know, like, okay, we can't get through everything, so if you want to hear about stuff we didn't get to... Come see us afterwards. I have a feeling season three is going to get pared down. Yeah. Well, I just talk about, like, just, like, all the highlights, like... Yeah, all the highlights, the stuff that set up stuff later, and then season four is just going to be the real beef of the panel. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to that one, too. Uh, the uh, the two times we've done that, we've had really good crowds for that one, like... Yeah, we've had decent, yeah, we've had decent crowds. Pretty much packed both times. And everyone was really engaged, everyone was asking good questions, and just, like, coming up with good theories, and talking about everything. In fact... You folks at home, you can listen to the last one we did, which was a lot of fun. We're also one of the we're also some of the only people that do ladybug panels there. Yeah, in fact, the only people who do ladybug panels. Because were we the only ones? I'm I'm at least looking at the schedule now, and yeah, we're the only ones. Oh, for this convention, okay, that is surprising. Given yeah. the, given like the guests that were announced. Yeah, I'm really surprised about that too. Yeah, I hope people. I, I do hope people people show up for that one. Yeah, especially considering it's going to be in like kind of an out of the way room. Because uh, that one, it's in, uh, the room is Lake Superior A, and it's, like, one of those two rooms that's kind of on the sixth floor away from everything. Like, you gotta go all the way up the escalators to get to them. Mmm, okay. Yeah, so hopefully that'll be good. Uh, I know one of our friends, uh, Mark Ferson, who, uh, is doing a panel that'll be right before us, is a Saturday morning cartoons panel, so that's, that's gonna be the lead into to our panel. Mmm, okay, and that's he, good. And he gets good crowds for all of his panels. Okay, maybe some people will be interested there. Yeah, linger around. We'll, they'll hear about what's coming up afterwards. I mean, Ladybug is kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon. It is, you know. Last couple of times we've done that, there were Sunday mornings, but hey, we, we kind of got a prime Saturday morning spot here. Yeah, a nice, decent time for this one. Yeah, but then, like, after that, we're kind of, we're free. We can do whatever we want. Yes, free, free. <laughs> no more work. We're gonna party our asses off. Oh yeah, like especially that Saturday night. That's kind of become the the running tradition for Detour, where we just like go go hard all day, all night on Saturday. <laughs> Man, it's gonna be good meeting people and stuff. Like, like there, like there, like all, there's a lot. There's plenty of other like panels at this convention that I am excited for. Yeah, and I'm and I'm just gonna be like purely excited to like, finally be able to get out and meet people again. Yeah, that's the biggest thing about this one. Because I've been trying to do that through, like, improv classes, and, like, that only gets me so far. Like, only some people at those classes are, like, uh, you know, I, I feel like I could actually have, like, a drink with, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like, you know, there's just way more people at these conventions, like, way more people to meet. Yeah, more and I people miss that. I miss that so much. Mm, more people with similar interests, too. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, any, any other panels you're, you're looking forward to? Any things you want to shout out? 10 p.m. Saturday time, a Disco Elysium panel. Disco Elysium and why it's disco. Holy shit, I am there for that. Yeah. I know it's I know it's late at night. Actually, actually, I think it'd be appropriate if we just party if I just party my ass off before that because that is a game where you play an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> I am gonna get so disco for that panel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna stroll in like, hey, where are my art cops at? <laughs> Electrochemistry is speaking to my brain tonight. <laughs> Holy shit, I didn't even realize that right now. I am probably going to be so drunk for that panel. 
Oh no! Yeah. But no, we can we can get super drunk and don't have to worry about fucking up a Keijo panel this year. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be completely in the we'll be completely in the zone. Oh, and of course, uh, like Mark McPherson also putting on some good panels. I would like to make it to his late night panels again. Yep, uh, Horrors of Anime, which is he always delivers with that one. Just makes a compilation of some of the weirdest and worst shit you would ever seen in anime like ever. the gnarliest stuff in anime really obscure shit like not even just stuff with bad dubs or like hentai just some out of this world stuff that you probably wouldn't even think about some of the clips from like some of the grossest ovas that have ever graced anime history yep <laughs> and even some uh hentai the uh the at one year the uh the sailor moon Dragon Ball Z, Star Wars, anti thing. <laughs> there was like one, one. There was like one presentation he put up one time where he put like, uh, like sex scenes from Drawn Together the movie yeah. into it. <laughs> uh, God, I love Mark so much. Yeah, or, like uh, that, that panel is so boss. <laughs> there is one for you folks at home who wants to get a taste of it. He does have it on his uh YouTube channel where half of the early clips is just this porno of this young girl and this old man and this old man's all like, "What are you doing? No." I'm a virgin. <laughs> Stop it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> he doesn't show any of, like, the sex from it. No, but, like, zooms in on, like, this old man's Yeah, face. it's the beginning of the porn. When yeah. It's, like, the lead-up into it. And then he splices in clips of it throughout the entire video, too. It's the fucking funniest thing. <laughs> or, like, how he starts off with the intro, where it's, like, uh, this uh, German band from this variety show, where it's, like, and now, die woodies. do 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 <laughs> oh god that, that, that panel of his is like a tradition at every anime detour yeah. and it gets fucking packed it's packed too. so for you folks at home who wants to see that probably line up at least 45 minutes to uh 30 minutes early yeah because because i don't know how many people they're going to be, be able to pack into there yeah like hopefully so, he has one of the bigger rooms yeah we're, we're going to emphasize first come first serve for that panel yep and 80 plus only so none of you youngins there yes yes and also just check out Mark McPherson and his movie reviews on YouTube. He puts out really he puts out really good reviews. Oh yeah, like most recently he's uh he's even talked about the Jackass Forever movie recently too. Oh, I love and, uh, that. And Moonfall and that that's one. I was right I was right there I was right there with you, Mark. Jackass Forever, forever. Yep. Yep. One hundred percent agree. And we also have our friend uh, Tony. He's doing a lot of uh, panels too. Like, yes, uh, what's Tony getting up to? What I'm really looking forward to is uh, he's doing a panel all about uh, the anime Unleashed block from uh, back in the G4 Tech TV era. Yeah, man, I didn't even because like I never even associated with that, so I'm kind of fascinated. I have vivid, slightly vivid memories of that, but yeah, it's and it's gotten got like some of the a lot more obscure stuff than you'd see on like a Toonami, you know, very mm-hmm. underground anime you'd see on there. But that'll be a, that'll be a fun one. I know he's really passionate about Anime Unleashed and the uh, the old days of G4 Tech TV. <laughs> Man, that will be cool to learn about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I can make it to it. Oh yeah, I, I hope I can. I hope so too. I'm pretty sure I will. One that also I'm looking forward to that I know you're you're looking forward to. We kind of we kind of do this every year, but this year I'm really looking forward to it because it means that I am all caught up with everything. Uh, the One Piece on Epic panel. Yes, the One Piece panel. I am slowly but surely making my way through one piece i'm through the wano arc i'm at chapter 970 as we speak i will definitely get caught up by detour time you know our friend um yeah one of our friends actually couldn't appear on that panel i don't think but like i honestly should have maybe like stepped in for him because i absolutely could talk for an hour straight about one piece (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe meet up with those panelists because i don't know maybe they're wondering what's happened what happened to him this year because he's not coming this year yeah yeah but um 
I don't know. Maybe I because I, I don't think I've ever introduced myself to them either. Maybe I should introduce. Yeah, myself. we've uh, we've kind of met them. You know, they have like their one piece you know, room party. We've kind of chatted with them there too, but not officially meet me. Right, like introduced, like hi, my name is. Hi, my name is. My name is what? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm the I'm 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 a, I'm our friend's uh, step in for this year. I'm I'm the I'm the rock star to you people. The 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 white beard. <laughs> <laughs> Nice little One Piece reference for all y'all out there. There you are. <laughs> Does anyone remember Rockstar, the, the the unsung member of the red-haired pirates? You know, I, w- I wonder when he'll return. Maybe someday. He will. Probably. He will. Everyone mm. comes back. Yeah, everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> did you know, like, some of the other, like, uh, did you know, like, some of the members of the red-haired pirates who were standing there at the Battle of Marineford have names now? Oh, they do? Yes, they, they've actually been, some of them have been given names now. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the monkey is named Monster. <laughs> Uh, I think like the the guy in like the shade and like uh, the short guy in the shades. I think his name is uh, I think his name is Lime Juice. Mm-hmm. Some of their names are like named after like actual drinks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, fun, fun little fact there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were, I mean, I'm at the point where I know Shanks Bounty now, so I might as well know the rest of his crew members' names. Hey, nice, the <laughs> boss man himself. Yeah, the billion dollar man there. <laughs> So yeah, on on Epic One Piece panel, man, I'm so excited to talk about One Piece again with a group of people. Yep. Oh, I've been like I I've been talking about it with like my friend like on the side lately because he's also been caught up with it. But like, man, to to talk about it with a g- good group of people, a good group of passionate fans. Who love I talk missed about it. One Piece. And of course, every panel that they do ends with everyone singing uh, Binks Brew. So yes. that'll be fun. Oh, such a such a beautiful. It'll be a fun sing along after three three long years. Yeah, a very meaningful one. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, there will also be a Cafe Leblon room party run by um, a friend of our a friend of uh, mine in the past as well. Uh, check that out as well. He's putting a lot of good work into it, like trying to get the beans and curry for it. <laughs> And uh, be nice to him as well because uh, <laughs> he might be he might be a little understaffed or something. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a very chill uh, party room. Yeah, like it, yeah, like I I am excited to like check that one out as well. Like yeah, check out cafe the cafe Leblon, Leblon uh, party room over there. Yep, and that'll be one of the first ones that uh, opens uh, pretty early on Friday, I think. Yes, yes, I'm selling coffee in there, so yep. people got to get their coffee. Got to get your energy. <laughs> And uh, one thing that I'm looking forward to is that uh, Detour is doing new this year. Uh, apparently, they kind of have like some extra rooms that they're not using, so they're actually going to use them for like uh, fan meetups. You know, people of different fandoms meeting up to just uh, chat for an hour. Oh, that's good. And uh, one of them I did notice is uh, a pretty care one early Saturday morning. So that's oh, one. you gotta go to that one. You gotta find your people. I gotta find my peeps right there, and I'll be going full coconut cosplay too. So look out for me inside that room. Yes, you need to be a social butterfly for that one. You need to introduce yourself gotta, around. You gotta join the alliance. Introduce myself. Tell them all like, hey, my name's Mikey. I've watched uh, about five Pretty Cure series. I'm midway through Go Princess. I'm gonna start fresh afterwards. Like, yeah, let's 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 tag. Let's 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 wrap a little bit here. <laughs> and there is actually also a Pretty Cure panel later that day too. So that'll be interesting. The only one. The only pretty care panel at, at that weekend. Mm, nice. Yeah. Nice. So hope, hopefully that one's pretty good. Take full advantage of it, man. Mm-hmm. Really do. I know I'm gonna do. I'm, I know I am for the Disco Elysium panel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I was uh, considering for this year actually was the. Um, I was also thinking of finally doing, finally trying out the uh, anime improv show. Oh yeah, you got it. Especially after having all those classes. Yeah, yeah. I took a whole bunch of improv classes over uh, over the past like year and a half or so. 
so yeah, I'd be really I'd be really happy to put some of those skills to use. In fact, I'll be wrapping up uh, my last improv course at a huge theater in Minneapolis uh, around yeah yeah close to around the time of this podcast uh, podcast release actually. Ooh. I think I think by that point there will be like two more classes left for me. Okay. But uh, yeah, so that will be that'll be a really good test of my skills. Yeah, and you know. <laughs> Who knows? You might be the most experienced one in the room. When I, mean, eh, I don't know. Uh, like the like like I've seen anime improv before. Like oh, some okay. some of the people at those things, they're good. Oh, so this could be a this could be a challenge. This could be like a legit. Con- this is like it will kind of be a competition to me. Ooh, I love to see that. Ooh, like it's it's gonna be tough though. You gotta gotta bring your A game. I really gotta bring my A game. Really gotta like actually like train my mind on it. You know, for like what could be a suggestion. Hmm. Mm. I got. I gotta have wit, you know. Mm-hmm. I gotta. I gotta have. I gotta have speed. <laughs> it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be rewarding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I can, any voice actor panels too. Oh, yep. Love to see some of those. Yeah. Anything like a panel with Keith Silverstein? That would be nice. Yep. Keith and Bryce would be good. Uh, I also really want. I also really want to meet uh, Lisa Ortiz. Like she's been in a lot of stuff, but also I know her a lot as uh, Amy in the Sonic games before uh, Cindy Robinson took over. Mm, of course, I, I gotta meet her. And, and, she's a classic. And gush about Amy, saying like, "Ah, she's my favorite Sonic girl." So Aww. I gotta, I gotta talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, some other classics like you know uh, a lot of the uh, the Lupin gang's gonna be there too. Yep, Tony Oliver's Tony, gonna be Tony there. Tony Oliver, Doug Erholtz there. So Lupin's and gotta. Oh man, like, are they gonna do a panel together? They better do a panel together. Oh, I better go. I better go through the schedule again sometime. Yep, I really uh, want to know that. Yep. Or also, uh, Doug Erholtz, uh, my boy Polnareff from JoJo Part Three. So I want to gush back to JoJo to him. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> yep. And uh, also a JoJo connection, Griffin Burns, who played uh, my precious little Dopio. Hey, Dopio! Yeah, everyone's favorite boy, Dopio. <laughs> <laughs> you know, give him an inanimate object to pretend to be a phone. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope he does like the. Sound effect there. You know, just grabs like someone's ice cream or whatever and puts it up against his ear. I really hope he does that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, could you imagine him doing like calls for that, like phone call, like leaving voicemails for people with that? Oh yeah, like holy shit! <laughs> you know it's gonna happen. It's gotta happen. People love that shit. Or at least people are gonna ask him to do it, yep. and he'll have, and he'll politely decline. Yeah, or like at least do the for like a ringtone or something (laughs) (laughs) oh that would be really cool that would be cool (laughs) so yeah a lot of good guests to look forward to here man there's gonna be a powerpuff girls room party 21 plus oh my god that's your that's your people oh my god i gotta go there yeah (laughs) (laughs) if i had known that i probably would have planned a mojo jojo cosplay Ah, you just totally cosplay mojo (laughs) oh i i I like mojo jojo a lot he's He's great he's great Well, there's actually one thing that's actually pretty interesting that I never thought I would see at a detour. Sunday morning, 11.30 a.m., uh, there's actually a panel all about uh, Disney parks. Oh, that, okay. that kind of piqued my interest there. You know, I'm a, I'm a big parks fan, so it'd be kind of cool to talk parks with some other people. Hey, more of your people there. Yeah, and they said to tell stories about experiences at theme parks, and I, I got plenty of stories about my time in the Disney parks throughout my years. Well, hell, you could, like, you could co-host that panel. I could co-host it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun, that'll be fun. <laughs> You know, just talk about different park stuff, talk about the 50th anniversary, talk about why Tron Lex Cycle Run hasn't been opened after five years. <laughs> <laughs> really flex your uh, theme park nerd knowledge. Flex my knowledge, see if anyone listens to stuff like Podcast the Ride or takes a look at some jerk with a camera. <laughs> get into it, get into get into a flex off with someone else. Yeah, you know, talk about, talk about why Disney's better than Universal Studios. And then handshake each other in respect afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big manly respect. <laughs> 
But yeah, those are some of the panels I'm excited for. Yeah, same here. And I'm sure I'll find a bunch of other ones too, because at these, there's always something for everyone here. Yeah, there really is. Always something to do. Yeah, but also, even if you're not at panels, there's like merch rooms and stuff like that. Yes, I am actually going to, I swear, <laughs> I will actually buy stuff at this convention. <laughs> I will buy a handful of stuff. I, will, I really will also want to give Discotech my business if they have a booth there. Yes, yes, because of course, they, they came out recently, they came, they're coming out with uh, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yep, which uh, actually just came out probably about a few days ago at the time of this recording. Which, hey, like that, like, honestly, like, got a lot of good stuff a in A lot that. of good extras that, honestly, it's selling me more on the extras than the, than the actual show. So, like, they put a lot of effort into this, so I really want to, I really want to support that one. Yeah, I, I will try to, I will, I will try to get at least one DVD set and one figure in addition to some art from the Artist Alley. Yep, I also want to hit up the Artist Alley. Because there have been past conventions where I've been stingy and I've <laughs> only gotten, like, art from, like, the Artist Alley, so I'll be, I'll be nice this year. <laughs> I will be respectful with my money. Maybe pick up some manga, too. Ah, uh, yeah. I think I might want to try to pick up the uh, the Dress Up Darling manga there, too. Mmm, good idea. Yeah, if, especially if I do it in my Marine cosplay, because then it'll be it'll be fitting. <laughs> Pretty meta. Maybe if the new deluxe volume of Berserk is around, uh... then. I like. I think it actually comes out the week before, but I'd be willing to wait until Detour to Ooh, see if it's there. That'd be a good grab. Because it'll be very recent. Mm-hmm. I'm up to, oh my god, I think I'm up to like nine deluxe volumes right now. Yeah, you got a full shelf of them almost. It's it's getting very close to the end of Berserk, too. Yeah, that's like, we only have a... I would say three to four volumes yeah, away. Yeah, not a lot left. Yeah, really not much left. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I'm ready for the end. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll be there with you for, to see the end. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, since I'm getting really into Pretty Cure, I really want to get some Pretty Cure merch here. Yeah, you gotta. I gotta get a figure, even if it's from a season I haven't seen yet. I'll get it. I don't care. These figures look nice. I mean, God, I'll have like my. I mean, God, for God's sake. I mean, I'll have my my tax return and my, and my work bonus <laughs> going into that convention. Like you, like I hope, like I hope you've got like a good budget stashed away for that. Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm planning this one out. <laughs> <laughs> Like working my ass off with overtime lately. Like, oh. yeah, I should I should splurge on something yeah. out there. Yeah, I'm working my ass off before and after the con. I'm making up for days that I'm missing. Mm. God, it's the, it's it's God, it's that workload you got to put in to like prepare for a con proper. Yeah, but it, it's it's worth it. It's the con is your reward for all your hard work. Yeah, it really it really is. Mm -hmm. it really is. Yeah, you know, makes makes everything a lot easier. Yeah, because unfortunately, I won't be able to slow down for March as far as work goes. Unfortunately, but um. No, I'll at least I'll at least have a proper good budget for that convention, which makes me very happy. Yeah. And also, this is probably why we're uh, doing this podcast earlier this year, because I'm recording this before I've even released the Fruits Basket podcast. <laughs> so it's like, we want to get this done yes. so we can focus on Detour and then focus on work afterwards. Yes, recorded, edited, edited, all done. Yeah, like the next time we do a new podcast, it'll be in April. Yes. So we, we are going to be, after this podcast, we are going all in on Detour. Yes. Because it's... It's it's the big homecoming, man. It's the big one. Three years, man. Three years. Three years away. Mm -hmm. And God, like, the, and they are quite. An anime detour is quite lucky compared to other anime cons out there that have not been so lucky because we did unfortunately lose. We did unfortunately lose Daisho Con. Yep, Daisho to the has, pandemic. Uh, yep, that's one. That one's gone forever. Yeah. So no more. No. Nah. That's sad too because that was a that was a pretty well run con. Like, I've only been to one of them. I know you've been to two, but it's like. Yeah, that was really good. I, I regret not going that last time. For some of my for some of my friends, like that I know, like it was their favorite convention. It was like their like their detour 
over detour. Made full advantage of the Kalahari part of the Kalahari uh, water park. Yeah, like Wisconsin Dells. Hotel with a water park, like at it for a convention, man. Yes, it was it was gorgeous. Like pe- like like people like in cosplay, people in cosplay and swimsuits, yep. people in swimsuits, people cosplay swimsuits in a hot tub sharing with other people, <laughs> drinking twenty dollar drinks. <laughs> it was beautiful, man. It was Fucking amazing. beautiful. Yeah. Best thing I can say about Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for any Wisconsinites there. Hey, now, one of my friends is a Wisconsinite. Yeah, she's my friend, too. <laughs> also a lot of, like, college friends. Yeah, that's true. No offense to all of you. <laughs> never know. Never know who any of the... Never know who any of the Wisconsiners you know, we know are listening. Know, I, I, I have no ill will, Ill will towards you. <laughs> unless you're a Packers fan, then fuck off. Stole. <laughs> <laughs> Eh, maybe son of a bum. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I just say, skull, skull, skull. <laughs> we this podcast does not endorse like any one f- football team. <laughs> we do not take sides in football. <laughs> Putting that out there right now. I don't want angry football fans commenting on our videos. Oh, I don't want angry Bears fans out there, Corey. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, other anime cons were not so lucky, but I'm very happy that Anime Detour uh, has still stuck around in this time and has really tried to make uh, this upcoming convention and and also and this upcoming and post convention work. <laughs> yep, and also hopefully learning a lot from all of some of the other conventions that have been able to go on during the pandemic. Yes, yes. I mean, I mean, we had Otakon last year. And uh, Anime NYC, two of like the biggest ones last year. Yes, yes. And those took great precautions and really showed everyone that like you can put, put on these events in a healthy and safe manner for the guests. Yep, even though Anime NYC had the first Omicron variant in the U.S., but, you know, not a super spreader officially. Yes, Lacen. yes, we're going to be fine. Yes, like, like, every, everything, like, every, everything is going to be fine for yep. this. Yep, and looking at real world stuff. Things are positive. Yes. Yep. Looking look, looking up. So who knows? Fingers crossed. Yes. I'm I'm hoping this will all be nice and safe and fun. Yeah. And remember, all of you out there, make sure you get vaxxed, boosted, and have your masks on. Yes. Remember that for Anime Detour, please. <laughs> you do not want to be turned away. Yep. <laughs> Just because of like something small like that. Yep, keep your cards on you, take pictures of them, download the docket app, it has all your vaccination info. Take every precaution. Make sure you're ready, don't forget anything. Better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Yes. And major props to all the people running Anime Detour as well. You are all fantastic people yeah. as well. I say Detour probably has some of the best staff I've ever seen at a con, so they work their asses off. I'm yes, really good people, understanding, like, they're, they like, fine, like, staff members. Mm-hmm. So, they got their work cut out for them, but I'm sure they got it. Mm-hmm. And even that, I'll, I'll be there to support them. And be nice to them as well. Be nice, be understanding. Yeah, kind, courteous, you know, remember the golden rule. Everybody love everybody. All right, let's get to the real show here, the real main event, why you're all here for. Uh, so, of course, here's a little bit of background on... Background? <laughs> a little bit of the background on Blade Runner. Uh, based on a novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? by Philip K. Dick, who also did other famous uh, novels and stories like uh, Total Recall, Minority Report, and uh, much more. Yeah. Or, or rather or rather the stories they were based on because like total recalls is uh the, the original title for that one is we can remember free we can remember it for you wholesale yeah <laughs> what is with like philip k dick and just his long like book and his long titles it's like isekai titles before isekai 
Oh, God, I know. But, like, <laughs> great writer, though. He is an amazing writer. Very prolific in, like, cyberpunk futuristic stories. And what and what's even better is that famous directors like his books, too. Yeah, that's why they got made into movies. So the original uh, novel that inspired Blade Runner uh, follows the story of Rick Deckard, who is uh, tasked with uh, retiring, i.e. killing, uh, rogue androids who escape from uh, Mars to Earth. And this was adapted into a movie in 1982, directed by Ridley Scott of Alien fame and starring Harrison Ford of Star Wars fame. And it was retitled Blade Runner, a term that was uh, created for the film. As uh, in the, the original book, he, uh, Deckard was called a bounty hunter, but in the movie they decided to give him the term Blade Runner. Mmm, okay. But in short, great movie. Like, fantastic. Like, really does deserve all the praise it gets. Yeah, like, I understand, like, some people's criticism about it being, like, slow and boring. I totally get that. And also, the, the, the six different versions of it. Or, uh, seven different versions of it. Seven! Sorry, that was close. <laughs> yeah, only other one that is available right now is uh, the final cut, which is approved by Ridley Scott himself. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the one to go to go with. Yeah, though that one also kind of has some off stuff, because, like, you know, the whole thing about Deckard, is he really a replicant? Is he human? And... Ridley Scott is of the belief that he is a replicant, and I I don't agree with that. Mm, I, I don't know. Like, or at the very least, like I think it's I think it's fitting enough. Yeah, I don't agree with the fact that it's outright said. I like it more ambiguous. Yeah, more ambiguous. That is a little bit better. But no, Blade Runner, really, really good film. Yes, excellent. Like, there's a lot of other people have said great things about it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're we're no different. You know, if you want to see a review of that, go check out uh, the Red Letter Media review on the original Blade Runner. Yes, go do that, because uh, <laughs> we're only focusing on one here today, folks. Yeah, but uh, it, the, this film did turn help turn Blade Runner into this, like, massive franchise that covered all sorts of media, like, you know, sequel books, not written by Philip K. Dick, more written by, like, his friend, well, Dick gave him, like, some pointers here and there and gave him some advice on writing the story. And also did, like, video games, comics, and uh, even another film. 2017's Blade Runner 2049, uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve and starring Ryan Gosling, a sequel that I would think I would say is just as good, if not better, than the original Blade Runner film. Um, I would I would say it's it's pretty damn close to like on par with the original Blade Runner. Like it's surprisingly good. Like you'd think that okay, a sequel to a movie 30 years later, how good could it be? But it's like no, actually, it's really good. Dennis actually did a really good job working within that universe. Yeah, fantastic and, job. Like taking what we saw from the original Blade Runner film and books and like expanding that more and more. Like getting to see more of this Blade Runner world. Yeah, emphasis on expanding, because, like, Dennis, he really loves making, like, big, grand, like, worlds that really, uh, like, get you with how uh, sublime they are in their, like, enormity. And also really expanding on, like, uh, the lore of the franchise, specifically in the uh, the replicants, you know, like, how close can they be to human, you know, like, how, how far can you go with the technology to make, like, these androids, like as close to people as humanly possible. And a really interesting protagonist who's, like, definitively, like, a uh, replicant. Yep, like, from the moment we meet him, uh, Ryan Gosling's character, Kay, he is, like, outright said to be a replicant. And he's also a Blade Runner, too, so, like, he's a replicant hunting down his own kind, pretty much. And he's also got, like, a virtual girlfriend, too, which yep, I love. Yeah, a hologram girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the whole film is about, like, an android with a hologram girlfriend who's, like, tracking down a uh, mystery concerning... A, mi- a mystery with replicants at the center. Yeah, the replicants and, like, something that no one ever thought replicants could do, and it's, like... How is this even possible? Like, it will actually... Sh- like, if the secret gets out, it will shake the world. It will shake the foundation foundation of the world, and it's also really connected to Kay as well. Like, it's a very personal story to him as well. God, that, that, that's such a good film. It is. 
Like, it it had no right to be as good as it was. Yeah, especially starring Ryan Gosling, who is, like, you know, he's a handsome fellow, but, like, acting-wise, he's kind of... He's he's alright, at best, but, like, in this film, they actually really used his acting skills to the fullest ability. Like, villain, you really got the best out of Gosling. Yeah, really worked well with him. Yeah, and I know a lot of people made fun of him for being, like, blank and kind of bland in the trailers, but, like, when you actually see him in action, the context of the scenes, it's like, oh, that makes sense now. Even Harrison Ford was probably happy to not be doing something that was Han Solo. Yeah, like, (laughs) happy to not do Star Wars anymore. (laughs) Oh, they already killed me, so I might as well go into a series that keeps me alive. (laughs) What are you talking about? Like, Han is still around as a ghost. (laughs) Ooh. They, they, they couldn't even fucking keep it at that. Kylo Ren, it's me. <laughs> Imagine the disappointment on Harrison Ford. Like he face. got the phone call, like, hey Harrison, are, do you want to be in uh, Rise of Skywalker? Oh, why? Okay, I like money, why not? No, because he heard, he, heard he heard the word first Force Ghost, and then like, all, all, all the agents on the other hand could hear was the sound of a phone dropping, and just like in the background, fuck, <laughs> fuck. Picks up the phone. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. When do we start shooting? <laughs> <laughs> Harrison Ford just is that like meme of like Disney going like, babe, it's babe, it's Rise of Skywalker. Time to play a Force Ghost of a character you don't want like anymore. Oh, uh, didn't I do enough for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, come, we'll have you back for Indy Five. <laughs> Uh, but uh, now in the lead up to uh, 2049, we had uh, three uh, short films to kind of help uh, bridge the gap between the original Blade Runner film and also the new film. And uh, one of them in particular, we uh, talked about it a bit on our uh, Carolyn Tuesday episode, but that was uh, Shinichiro Watanabe's Blade Runner Blackout 2022. Only a 15, only 15 minutes long. Only 15 minutes, but an amazing 15 minutes. Absolutely great. Like, holy shit, I wish the series looked like this. <laughs> <laughs> But no, made the most out of his 15 minutes, actually gave us characters that, like, we only just met, but I actually really cared for by the end of it. Tells a very short but concise story with using a, using a, the smallest amount, but, like, going a long way. And something that does actually affect the Blade Runner world, not only in just this series, but also in 2049. An event that takes place in it reverberates across the years. Yeah, so yeah, good stuff. And also, Matsunaba, he's a genius, so like, anything he's gonna do is gonna be great. Absolutely incredible animation in that. My god. Yeah, it's just... He can do no wrong. I, I, I miss I miss him animating so much. Mm-hmm. Or rather, directing. I miss him directing right. so much. Yeah, we got that from Carolyn Tuesday, but I need more. I need more. more! More from this glorious beautiful man <laughs> from that it spawned uh, a blade runner tv series with uh, watanabe as a producer remember that point producer not director producer <laughs> and instead this series would be directed by the team of shinji aramaki and kenji kamiyama and animated by sola digital arts Ooh, uh, what have these uh two directors and this studio have done in the past well <laughs> got a few things right here one of them is uh, two direct-to-video CG Starship Trooper films, which I hear are awful. <laughs> it's like, wasn't everything already... Wasn't Didn't we already say everything with the first Starship, Starship Troopers film? Yeah, like, why do we need more? And these are like... God, what, what, fifth and sixth films in the in this series? Isn't it isn't it enough that in recent years that film has been like praised as being like prophetic of like how the US would like try to put a spin on its own fascism? Yeah, like red pill people thinking like, no, they're actually being genuine. It's like, no, it's a parody. It's satire. 
Like, it, satire that, like, did in some ways become absolutely true. Oh, 100% true. Oh, my God. It's one of those things where the director's like, I hate being right. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Ver... Paul, poor Verhoeven. Yeah. Poor... Paul Verhoeven, poor Verhoeven. Yeah. You know, it's bad enough they made a terrible remake of Total Recall. You didn't have to, like, sully his legacy with Starship Troopers. Like, oh, oh, it's fine. Like, he's got, like, tons of other, like, films. Yeah, like, he's got tons of other action. And he's worshipped by the Dutch film industry. <laughs> yeah, he is. And another series they did was the Netflix Ultraman, which I hear is, alright, I guess. You know, CG Ultraman. It's no grid man, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A few episodes here and there. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? The thing that came out a year prior to Black Lotus coming out was a Ghost in the Shell standalone complex 2045, a Ghost in the Shell series that people say is one of the worst entries in all of Ghost in the Shell. Ouch. Even worse than uh, Scar Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, and that came out a year before Black Lotus. Ooh, that is not good to lead up to in this. Yeah, though I will I will point out some good things. You know, specifically uh, Kenji Kamiyama directed all the other uh, Ghost in the Shell animes. You know, the uh, the hand drawn stuff that we see on Adult Swim. You know, the ones that are actually good. Mm-hmm. Did that, and also directed uh, Eden of the East, which uh, only seen a few episodes of, but I liked what I saw. So not all bad, just mostly bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of red flags here. Red flags that we should have seen. Yeah, <laughs> and also that prom- that uh, producer credit for Shinichiro Watanabe as well. Yeah, I mean, when we first heard Shinichiro Watanabe was attached to this, we were we initially thought it was in like a directing capacity. Yeah, we thought like, oh, it'll be like uh, Blackout again. It'll but like as a full TV series, so that'll be good. Now the question I have is that like, did they say at the time he was only producing on it? I believe I want to say at the time they just said he was. A part of the project. I don't know if they listed specifically what his role was. That's what I want to say. Yeah, because I never want to get my info wrong and be like, oh, well, and have people go to me being all like, oh, well, you should have known all this time. It was right there. Yeah, but I do remember specifically that they just used his name. I don't know if they used uh, Aramaki and uh, Kamiyama. I mean, if if you told me Shinichiro Watanabe was attached to this, I would not have even been able to have tell, told. Yeah. And, like, even if you, even if Watanabe isn't in the director's chair, like, a lot of the things he's done, you know, producing or music or whatever, it's still good. Like, he did the music on Michiko and Hachin, and that series was amazing. And it well, kind of had a style, even though it was also, uh, Psy Yamamoto style. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we should have, we should have caught this for, at the first time. There were, there were signs that should have warned us about Black Lotus. Yeah, so, uh, Black Lotus was originally announced as a Toonami original show in November 2018, and it would air from... November 2021, all the way to February 2022, with a Japanese version simulcasting on Crunchyroll, since it was also a Crunchyroll original. And if any of you out there have seen that video that uh, Jeff from Mother's Basement made about Crunchyroll originals, you kind of know what to expect <laughs> from that brand. Yeah, they're the Crunchyroll originals. They're, they're, they're a real mixed bag. Yeah, like, a hit one out of every... Let's go 15. <laughs> yeah, not a not a high batting average for those. How did High Guardian Spice get a sing, get the singer get like a, a musician from Neutral Milk Hotel in their series? <laughs> I had to confirm that because I'm like, what? What? An an indie rock rock star? <laughs> Maybe they like the project? Uh, ah. Ah my right. god. Or what? The, they're they're good at selling them? Crunchyroll, what <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. 
Like, if you're going to use money to bring them in, couldn't you pay your uh, translators better, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't you pay your animators better, too? Well, that, too. You know, not give them the budget for a 30-minute cartoon with the budget of an 11-minute cartoon. Oof. Yeah. That's, a, that's another can of worms there. Another thing that should have been a red flag for this one, uh, the trailers, the initial promo trailers, because for the longest time when this was announced, we had assumed this would be, like, hand-drawn, you know, kind of like Blackout. But then the trailers came out, and we were like, Oh, this is CG, and this is interesting CG. Like, yeah, this it 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 did that at least did set off some alarm bells there. Because CG in anime <laughs> don't go quite well. Like, not everything can be a Beastars stars or a Dorohidoro. Like, you you really got to put in the effort to make it look good. Yep, especially considering not only a year ago there was another CG cyberpunk anime that came out to. Uh, Let's say not very good reception. <laughs> Granted, this is much better than Exarm, but still. <laughs> Even before that, you had like you had the Berserk uh, continuation. Yep. Which like is considered by many people to have ruined Berserk in the anime sphere. Oh yeah, to the point where it'll be a long day, long time, and probably a cold day in hell before we get another Berserk anime. I, I, I've resented for that. That like it took the it took the big spot. It, they, like that, it took the spot for a berserk anime for like our gen for like this generation. Yeah, and now we're gonna have to wait forever to get a new one. Yep, to get a continuation. Even I hate it alone. I know I haven't even watched it, and I hate it alone for that. God, just who knows? One day that might be a stay tuned. What uh, under certain only under certain conditions will I do that one? Yep, we gotta do the original. Yeah, we gotta do the original first. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, CG and anime not really doesn't go well at chocolate and peanut butter there. Oof. Yeah, let's stop beating around the bush. Let's get to this one. <sighs> get this over with. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. And uh, I will let you people out there know, uh, I am drinking while doing this. You have been drinking during this entire podcast. Yep. Uh, coffee liqueur with, uh, what is it, 21% alcohol volume. Hey, it'll get you blitzed and it'll keep you up all night. Yep. So if any of you out there feel like I'm incoherent or maybe slurring my words a little bit or maybe like more than usual <laughs> or maybe being kind of off in places you'll know why i'll try to make this as coherent as possible but uh yeah bottoms up <laughs> with all that out of the way we're talking all about blade runner black lotus so without further ado let's start the show So, first things first, the opening and the ending. The opening is Feel You Now by Alyssa Cara, and the ending is a bunch of different fucking songs. Go by the soundtrack if you want to know what they are. So, what do you think of these music tro tracks here? I have very little to say about them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, don't you love... Can you feel? Can you feel? Oh my god, can you feel? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's a, it's a smooth enough, it's a smooth enough opening. 
the oh yeah the, the the opening like it's 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 jazzy it's smooth like i'd like it fine enough on its own it's like but like it's it's like whatever like it's like all the music in the series it feels like you it feels like it could be like posted any if you posted anywhere else it would just be like the latest generic release from like, like a pop so, star like someone's spotify playlist yeah like from pop star x here or something a lot of it's not super memorable no it's just and it's just like Another thing about the opening is it kind of does that thing that I kind of find a little annoying at times, you know, the kind of vocalizing, you know, the <laughs> kind of thing, you know, you're, you're just kind of vamping, not really singing. It, it, this opening kind of got on my nerves after a while. And, mm, I don't know. I, I Not as much for me. I thought it was, I thought it was kind of smooth. I thought it was a, a bit smooth and cool. Yeah. I thought it was appropriate for the setting well enough. Like, I will say it does fit the series. But yeah, a lot of the music from the series, like, invol- it gets push a lot to like the end credits and well, they're just songs that you, they just slap on the credits to near the end yeah yeah and not a lot of them are very memorable no and have little to do with what's going on in the show yeah we're not doing like an album review for those because no. like because the, 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 the full amount does amount to an album it is like hell you gotta you gotta have an album still mm-hmm that's a shame too because michael hodges did that too and he worked on like the 2049 music yeah it's, just, it's not on his a game here so yeah, let's uh, start from the beginning. So I, I'll, I'll have to talk about the big elephant in the room right now—the thing that everyone talks about when they talk about the series. Yes, the backgrounds look pretty. That's it. They're nice. The world design, the setting—it all looks like Blade Runner. It looks like Blade Runner. This is distinctly cyberpunk. It looks nice, and in all the places, but. This should not be the only thing people talk about when they come to praise the show. This should not be the only thing. I think that's usually where the praises end. <laughs> yeah, but I do see people who praise this and then they go, yeah, the show's all right. It's pretty nice. It's got nice backgrounds, not talking about the characters of the story or anything. It's like, no, talk about more. What why, What else do you like about it? Uh, action scenes. Some of them also mention action scenes, too. But that can also be disputable. That's very disputable. <laughs> like, good... Good visual design shouldn't make up for how bland the rest of the show is. If that were the case, then people would be loving that sort out online. Mm-hmm. And also another thing that I know, I, I especially noticed this on a second rewatch, everything looks really dark for some reason. Like, I know mood lighting, film noir, but it's like incomprehensibly dark. Like, I feel like I can't see what's going on. And I should know what's happening right here. Yeah, like the some of the, some of the uh, noir lighting they're attempting in the show uh, could be better in parts. Like, it feels like they only have two settings. Lights on, lights off. There's no sense of, like, light gradients or anything like that. Or, like, you know, light shafts, shadow, use of shadows, use of spotlights or anything like that. I mean, some scenes, like, uh, like, like one fight scene involving a graveyard, look kind of decent, you know, with, like, the smoke everywhere, you know, and, like, the red lighting. Like, that looks fine, but uh, some scenes where characters are just talking... Um, <laughs> like it's pitch black half the time. So sometimes it can, yeah. Sometimes the lighting can be very bad. Although I think part of that is to <laughs> maybe hide up one of the uh, first things that uh, catches your eye when you watch the series, which is that the three D mo- this the three uh, D models in the series are also are uh, right off the bat not very good looking. No, they are very jank and big bang of final fantasy the spirits within out of all of these <laughs> wow you'd go that far yes i would they literally look like friggin all those characters james woods and donald sutherland in that movie i mean at times it looks yeah like yeah like design wise they could have they could have looked a lot uh, more polished <laughs> they could have just had a lot more work put into them like some some characters just uh just plain don't look good <laughs> yeah it's it 
and it also kind of clashes where it's like you have this very realistic environment, but the characters are clearly stylized and very anime-esque. Slightly stylized. Slightly stylized. Like, there are times where they're slightly stylized, you know, like uh, some of our main characters, but there are times where it's like, no, this just looks like an actual person. So it kind of, it's it's weird in both places. Right, right. <laughs> and then their mouths move. Where sometimes they match the dialogue, and we're watching the dub here, they match the English dialogue, but other times it feels like they're just opening and closing. Yeah, like it's very, the, the mouth flaps are actually kind of inconsistent in the series, which you do not want. No, never. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe Beast, maybe Beastars can get away with it. They can get away with it because half the characters have like snouts and you can't really have like uh, proper like, uh, proper like vowel mouth movements for with that. You kind of only have to do like the three flaps, open, close, half close. Right, right. Like that one, that that series also put a lot of good work into like actually matching the like voice, the the lip flaps to the original Japanese dialogue. Yeah, which too. also credit to the uh, English script writers and everything. But like, I wouldn't know what like Black Lotus's excuse is here for how bad they are, though. Yeah, I don't know either because half the time it feels like they're doing it to English, but half the time it also feels like could it be set to the Japanese track too? Like in places. I I'm not sure. Like it's it's really confusing. Yeah. Like <laughs> or like I theorize like. You know, this is a big bullshit theory. Like, could there be, like, a program that matches lip flaps to whatever track is played in there? Oh, God, I hope that wasn't the case. Yeah, I hope not, like, but it sounds like something that could actually exist. I know, like, many of the characters' facial expressions and even, like, their mouths are, like, so stiff and wooden. Like, they don't emote, they don't match, like, their voices when they're emoting very well. Like, it doesn't feel like someone on a computer rendered this. It feels like that was done by an AI almost in a way almost yeah which would be kind of ironic replicants <laughs> <laughs> made this <laughs> uh but uh, let's meet our our uh, main character here introducing l played by jessica henwick bland performance from her bless her she's trying but man i don't know what it is but she's just she's just out to lunch with this series here yeah, I'm. I'm sure she. I'm sure she's fine. As I'm sure she was fine as a. What, what was she here? Numerius Sand in Game of Thrones. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> and X-wing pilot Jessica Pava in The Force Awakens. I don't remember that character. I, it must have been like a Porkin style side character. I'm. I'm sorry, Jessica. I'm, I'm sorry, Miss Henwick. <laughs> uh, but uh, like, I'm sure she. I'm sure she's good in some stuff. I'm out sure there. she's good. Like. In front of a camera, you know, where you can actually use your acting skills, you know, emote and kind of have in the moment. But when you're voice acting and your CG model's not doing you any favors, it's kind of a tough task. Also, possibly had not a very good director. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, bless her heart, she's trying, but this this did not make... This is not good for her. The, the performances in the series in general are yeah. not the best. Everyone has, like, kind of, like, that low energy, almost mumbling delivery where they're all, like... Uh, we're just gonna go, go do this thing right here, right now. No, like, oh, I don't know, like that. Makes me almost wonder if they if they were given the chance to see the lip flaps first. <laughs> oh, could they could they have ADR'd this or was this like uh, prelay? Ooh, I would be curious to know about that because because there, there's a lot we don't know about the series. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot. Like I tried looking up a lot of things and like I couldn't find anything. I couldn't even find like. ADR director or scriptwriters or what studio did the dub? After the series wrapped up, there wasn't because like there wasn't much buzz around it once it actually like got rolling. Yeah, like as soon as it ended, it like left the block on Toonami, which is strange for shows that open up the block. They usually they stick around just in the back of the block. Yeah, it'd, like give some people out there a chance to like check it all check, check it, it out, out all over again. You know, give people some incentive to stay the entire night. 
one bit of one bit of defense I will give there for Toonami is that they were going through a bit of a dry spell before that. Oh yeah, that's so they a... were probably very eager to get just to just get new stuff on the block. Right, right. So yeah, I don't think it's so much that they wanted to just like brush it under the rug. It was more just like that was Toonami's strategy going into the next year. Mm-hmm. And like they could have a chance to like there is a spot open, but then they probably thought you know what we like the full hour of One Piece, we won't want to cut those episodes. But yeah, for something bearing the Blade Runner name, a lot of silence on this. Yeah, and also the sound mix isn't great either. Like, some characters come off as very muffled with their voice dialogue, and also oftentimes, like, they're not loud enough, or like... Yes, there's... I noticed when I was, like, re-watching this too, like, is some of the dialogue in this just naturally, like, mixed, like, very quietly? And it feel, and there are oftentimes where it feels like, say, a character's supposed to be on a radio or whatever, but it doesn't sound like they're on a radio, they're all, like, on, in the same room. Like, there's no filter or anything like that. Uh, man... This stuff like this just frustrates me. Yeah, like I they've had three years to make this. Like how were they crunched? I hope they weren't crunched. Yeah, I hope not. Like Jesus. <laughs> like I like regardless of how you feel about a show, I hate to see like crunch happen to like anything really. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's terrible work, but like I really hope they weren't. <laughs> Cause yeah, like some oh man, the the, the way some scenes were like got like so quiet, like <laughs> I should have rewatched it with subtitles yeah. on. <laughs> Like it was that bad, folks. Yeah. Like there were some scene, there were like there were some like there were some there was some dialogue from characters that I legit couldn't understand at times, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it frustrated me really bad. Oh God, yes. So let's talk about L here, as she has amnesia. Let me get this straight. Does anyone here not have amnesia? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, she's a. Uh... Yep, doesn't have uh, much memories, ends up in the in L.A. from, uh, you know, the same kind of L.A. we see in Blade Runner, and has no memories of what happened to her at all, how she got here, or anything. Just woke up on a truck, and all she has to her name is just this uh, camera with her. And, like, I see this, and I just feel like, I know this is Blade Runner, but this kind of story feels more like Jason Bourne. A little bit, maybe aping off of that a little bit. A little bit, and also, while there are some, you know, film noir crime drama aspects about this, you know, the kind of thing that Blade Runner is known for they feel like they also kind of let, like go more into like the action territory you know no subtlety about that at all and another thing like i also feel a uh, big bang of the total recall remake with colin farrell like i got i got that vibe out of it from this show <laughs> Just this soulless lifeless remake of like uh, a beloved cyberpunk se- uh, film series <laughs> yeah not a good film that was yeah and like you know, kind of similar to how Farrell is compared to Arnie as Quaid in, that, Quaid in that movie, where it doesn't have, like, the same charisma. Like, L, she doesn't have the same charisma as, like, Deckard or, or Kay. Like, I care about those guys, even though Deckard's kind of an asshole in the first movie, and he's stu- he's a stupid idiot, but, like, I cared about him. It sounds like it sounds like the people who worked on this show put more effort in just making L look cool, oh, rather yeah. than actually making her cool. Oh, like, do you love the design with the tights and the, and the converse and the short shorts and the jacket? The jacket with the buttons on it. Like, yep. Just, uh, with, yeah, little, little designs there with the patches and the buttons. Like, come on, don't you want a cosplayer, guys? <laughs> well, yeah, one of the first things we see L do here is uh, beat up some goons in an alley. And uh, from this moment on, like, we it's clear that she is a replicant. You know, we see the eyes kind of light up a bit. And she's also a, like, skilled fighter, like, almost unfairly so, where she just kind of mops the floor with these guys with some hurricanranas and backflips and like judo moves and everything like that it's 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 almost unfair really yeah this first episode kind of has some of the good fights in the series but after a while the fights kind of really drag down get very tiresome 
Mm, yeah, very flashy. Just goes too over- overboard with the choreography and uh, also lack of heat. Like, none of the fights afterwards have any heat to them. They are cold as ice. Uh, mm, I don't know. Like, there, there maybe, there's maybe, like, one or two later on that, like, had some weight to some it. Some moments here and there, but other than that, it's kind of... It kind of got to wade through a lot of the the drag parts to get to some of the good action bits. Yeah. But uh, after beating the goons, we actually meet a character who is actually in the, uh, in the Blade Runner movie from Blade Runner 2049. Uh, the black market dealer Doc Badger, played here by his actor from 2049, uh, Barkad Abdi. So I thought, I will say this is actually pretty cool that they got him to reprise his role from 2049. It's just very bad that the sound mixing for the series is not very good. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he, he also does not put, put, put through a good performance. Also weird because, weird thing, like a weird choice where like uh, in 2049 he speaks entirely in uh, Somali, but here he speaks English. Yeah, that's that's weird. That's, that is odd. Like, why why did they do that? Did they not want to do subtitles? But it's like, that's who he is. That's his character. Yeah, don't. Like, wouldn't you want that in your series then, for authenticity's sake? Yeah, and it's like it doesn't make sense where he would speak English to L here, but in twenty forty nine he speaks Somali to K. Yeah, it's like you like what you can't even come up with like a good explanation for between like the different time periods either. Yeah, or do a thing where like say. Okay, Elle's a replicant, like, maybe, like, something in her model allows her to, like, translate foreign language into her native language or something like that. Yeah, because, like, yeah, year 2032 in the series. Yep. That's the year. 2032. 2049, far off. That's where the character reappears. Yep. Like, what? Like, there's there's no explanation for that. Yeah. That's That's very confusing. Also, he looks the same. Yeah, looks relatively the same. Yeah, <laughs> and he looks exactly like his actor. He looks like uh, Barkhad Abdi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, fine, some credit there at least. Yeah, which, by the way, I do want to point out, it's uh, Abdi. Fascinating life and career that I found out. Uh, he was uh, born in Mogadishu, moved to Yemen at age six during the uh, Somali Civil War when that broke out. And then in uh, 1999, he and his family moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hey! Yeah, went to Roosevelt High, high School and then... Went to uh, Minnesota State University Moorhead for college. Awesome. Yep. Sold phones at a shop in Minneapolis with his brother. And then uh, he got cast in the film uh, Captain Phillips as the uh, pirate leader. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, that was his big first actual acting role in general. Like, they did a big casting call, and then he won out out of everyone. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> Nominated for an Academy Award for that as a Best Supporting Actor. Accomplished actor. Really great. Yeah, and, like... You got you got some more roles after that. It took a couple of years, but now he's like starting to be more and more in uh, in uh, film and TV. And Man, I wish he was used better in this series. Yeah, you know, go from you know, it's, he's a total rags to riches story. Like you know, you know, came over here from uh, from uh, Mogadishu to our home state, and you know, started off selling phones and being a limo driver. But now, like, he's an accomplished Hollywood actor here, making TV appearances, interviews on CNN, and everything. Like, he's made it good for himself. But like in this series, they don't use him to the best of his ability. Yeah, no, not really. Surprisingly, though, he gets more screen time here than he did in 2049. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, longer TV series. Yeah, so understandable. Yeah, whereas, like, 2049, it was just, like, one scene with Kay looking at real wood. Yeah. So, yeah, Doc here agrees to uh, help Elle in exchange for, uh, you know, roughing up the goons because, you know, they've been causing him trouble, hassling him at his shop. And, uh, yeah, Elle gets her katana, which is her uh, trademark weapon because, you know, katanas are cool. You gotta be cool and shit. <laughs> And uh, even though we see her handle herself with her fist, but I guess she's got to have a weapon. We see a lot of this in the series. This is the sort of a trend that we will get to where where there's some baddies out there. And Elle's all like, I'm going to go search for these baddies. 
and then I'm going to hunt them down, see every detail of the hunt, and then beat the shit out of them, and then be done with that, and just rinse and repeat. Like, we see this almost every episode. Elf finds bad guys, beats up bad guys, come back home, gets a new search. Simple format here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why mostly whenever, like, a fight scene kicks in, the most we can really say about every single one, I imagine, going forward is just, and then they fight. <laughs> yeah. Expect to hear a lot of that. Like here, she fights a bunch of goons in an alleyway, which I will I will admit it's kind of nice, you know, kind of dark with, like, the burning trash cans and everything and the smoke everywhere. Yeah, like, like that, that, that was the one I mentioned that was actually kind of good looking. Yep, and uh, she ends it by uh, killing the head goon by uh, stabbing him in the dick. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was, like, the, it's the gut, but it totally looked like his penis. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then Elle's all like, wait a minute, this, uh, this feels familiar. Oh my god, I've, I've killed before. This is not new. We get these flashbacks that are, that are setting up a mystery, but it's a mystery that'll get solved almost immediately. Like, there's kind of no tension or build-up. Like, it's built, like, it's solved as soon as it's built up. Mm, right, right. And, like, these are full scenes here. Like, you know, typically when you see flashbacks in something or, like, visions in your head, it's, like, kind of... There's, like, filters and everything over it. It's kind of obscure. But here, no, full-on scenes that we will see later on in the series. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll get back to that. Put a pin on that there. As uh, we meet another character, uh, Joseph, played here by Will Yun Lee. As uh, Doc says, he can help uh, Elle out with uh, her, her issues here. And uh, honestly, probably one of the lamest characters in the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, he does... Jack for most of the series. He he fits, he's one of those characters that fits a little too cleanly in like a trope. <laughs> yeah. Like he's the kind of character who has, it's like you look at him and he goes like, oh, he's got a history and he's kind of mildly interesting. Uh, but they, tr- again, like with Elle and her outfit, they try too hard to make him look cool. You know, he's got beer bottles everywhere. He's a drinker. He's got some personal issues. He's got to work out, you know, he's very scruffy looking and everything, you know, probably smells no, but it's like we're we're dancing around the fact that he's like a Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? Like, <laughs> that's one thing about this we'll podcast. Just get it all out. That's one thing about this podcast, folks. We're gonna be bouncing all around here. Yeah, who fucking cares? Like Joseph, he's a, he's a Blade Runner. He's secretly a Blade Runner all this time. Yeah, but uh, we gotta wait till later on to solve that mystery. But it's like you look at him and you go Blade Runner, Blade Runner. Or at least there's like something to him. Like, oh, you probably go shooty shooty bang bang. <laughs> <laughs> you probably. Popped a lot of caps in people's asses. Yeah, you've probably had a lot of inner mo- inner monologues to yourself while uh, drinking yourself heavily into the night. You know, probably like Deckard, where it's like, if he had a wife, he'd go like, you know, my wife calls me sushi. Cold fish. <laughs> <laughs> but then that gets cut for the final cut version because people think it's lame. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, uh, Joseph's gonna be helping Elle with her, uh, get her memories back, you know, analyze the camera and everything like that. But while this is going on, Elle looks on the TV and she sees, like, her her next victim here, you know, someone from her memories, guy by the name of uh, Senator Bannister, played here by Greg Henry, and she's all like, okay, this guy is part of my memories, I'm gonna go kill him. <laughs> and another thing about this series I really want to point out, uh, lots of padding, lots of padding in places. Uh, yeah. Like, here especially, we see every step of this search, and it takes up like a good five minutes of the episode, where it's like, you see the senator, he leaves his office, L oh, just misses him, Get she gets a car. Drives the car, you know, gets on the on-ramp, just uh, gets on the shoulder, passes a few cars here and there. See the senator, takes an elevator, senator arrives at an underground fight club. You know, see every single step to this search right here. And also, this underground fight club, it's literally just purgatory from Yakuza 4. 
I mean, kind of, yeah. It's got the same setup with, like, the theater in the round and, like, the, a very similar cage, too. It's a little replicant fight club. Also, I want to point out, uh, Elle, when she arrives, she beats up a bunch of guards, you know, two guards up in the, the front of the uh, the fight club. You know, goes up to them and they're like, hey, get out of here. She walks back, walks right back to them and then beats them up. It's like, it's exactly like the scene in uh, Fatal Deviation when Jimmy Bennett tries to go to the bar <laughs> and beats up those two guys. You know, gives a bit of a, wah! Gotta get something in there, I guess. You know, get out of here, you little bollocks, and then just piece the shit out of them. You know, like, a lot of this fight, a lot of the fights feel like Fatal Deviation fights, where it's like... I L mean, I'll give them more credit than Fatal Deviation. I mean, in the sense that, like, L completely outmatches everyone in the same way Jimmy Bennett out outmatches everyone in that movie. Yeah, but you can say that about a lot of other action movies, too. I mean, in, like, other action movies, I can still see, like, say, what, Arnie or, like, Van Damme, they can be, like, on the ropes half the time, but it's like... Like, uh, everyone here is just outmatched. I'm yeah, like, not every film has to be old boy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know, like, everyone wants the, everyone wants their action to be, like, just, like, the, the hallway fight scene from that, but it's like, <laughs> there's, there's, there's room for others, other stuff, you know, I too. mean, can I, can I have a little scrappier fights instead of this choreographed stuff? <laughs> I feel L should be a brawler. I mean, you can have, you can have, like, you can have, like, cake, like, you're, you're, like big like badass brawls you know <laughs> it's just that like the fight it's just that like the fight choreography gets kind of samey after a while it is so. very samey yeah. so yeah Elle meets a uh, banister here and he's all like oh you're a replicant and she's all like no i have feelings i'm a human and my god this is not good acting from her no where she's supposed to be like very like very conflicted very angry and frustrated but she's all like no what what you i'm i'm human my memories are real you're lying. Well, because at this time, she's experiencing flashbacks to, like, a traumatic event where she saw the senator's face. Yep. Invo involved in some, like, horrific actions. Mm-hmm. Horrific actions involving hunting her down and killing a bunch of other people. Yes. Yes. But, yeah, they have a bit of a tussle right here, and uh, it ends with uh, Senator Bannister being pushed off a banister and dies oh god ironic or poetic oh that no. better not have been on purpose though uh it probably was yeah like i looked at like when i was writing the notes for that his last name is spelled the same way as you would spell banister <laughs> so it's not like a sound like it's literally just the same thing oh that's just bad <laughs> <laughs> but uh no around this time we do meet another character uh alani davis uh played here by samira wiley Character who is a fucking cop. <laughs> uh, but don't worry. The series makes sure you know she's one of the good ones. But we all know what you, what there is. There's no such thing as good uh, ones. Uh, sh sure, sure. Gotta gotta have some gotta have some character tracking them all down. You know, like the series goes out to make sure that the they make sure you know that uh, LAPD is very very corrupt and you know rightfully so. But like. They make sure she's the only good one. She's the only one who cares about doing her job for the best of the city. But at the end of the day, Pig's still a fucking pig. A cab. There's, there's also not really much complexity to her. No, she's here. a total non-factor in the show. You could take her out and nothing would be different. Because, again, they needed some authority figure to be tracking down the other characters to, like, I don't know, give, give like, a fresh perspective on this or something. Shame, too, for her actress as well, because, like, she has been in good stuff before. She has, and I think, like... Out of all the performance in the show, she turns out probably one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah, she definitely, she certainly does. Mm -hmm. But uh, then after her, you know, showing up doing nothing, uh, we meet some other characters, rather important characters to this and the whole of Blade Runner. We meet uh, Wallace Sr., played here by Brian Cox, and his son, Wallace Jr., played here by Wes Bentley. Freaking Brian Cox. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like, what's he doing here? <laughs> he was available. <laughs> uh, but uh, Junior here. Yep, uh, Neander Junior Wallace Junior from Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yes, Neander Wallace Junior, who there was played by famous cult leader Jared Leto. Uh, I guess they couldn't afford him, or they didn't want to work with him because he's a wacko. And he was probably too expensive, most likely. Yeah. Like out of all the actors they could afford from the films, uh, Barkat Abi was the only one they could afford. Yeah, I will say this now because we're not going to be going back and forth between these two guys, but all of their scenes together between Wallace Senior and Junior here. They're just scenes of them in a big office, big room. They're just talking to each other, and it's very expository dialogue, you know, where it's all like, you know, son, I don't really like what you're doing right here. Well, father, I do have a plan, but uh, you have to be, you have to agree with me on this plan. Well, son, you know, uh, I don't agree with you, but uh, I, I respect your right to keep up with this plan. Well, father, you know, uh, it's just all like a game of Go right here. It's very poetic. <laughs> We're just going to keep playing Go, and it'll explain our plans right here, father. <laughs> Like, a lot of cryptic and expository dialogue from these two. All of their scenes are just like this. Yeah, because the only thing, like, their their scenes really convey is that Junior has a contentious relationship with his father, the senior. Because, um, of course, the background of this is that the Waz Corporation bought out the Terrell Corporation in the wake of uh, the original Blade Runner film. Yep. Which the, Terrell, the Terrell Corporation made the original replicants. Waz Corporation bought them out. And yep. now they're... And now, Junior and Senior here are floating whether they should even continue forward. So Junior wants to go forward with it. Senior wants to just, like, abandon it. Yeah. Though, like, anyone who's seen 2049, they know what's going on here. Like, they can totally... They can sniff out that Junior's gonna be a big deal. Like, there's no mystery about him. Right, right. So, yeah. Another thing that that happens a lot in the series, uh, you know, searching, padding, Junior and Senior talking, uh, there's a lot of scenes where it's, like, Elle, after she's got done on her, uh, going on her killing spree here. She's always found by Joseph, or she goes to Joseph, and, like, Joseph is just there to just nurse her back to health, and then just we just rinse and repeat everything again. Like, that's all he really does for most of the series. Just nurse her back to health and kind of be an ass to her. He does, like, she does have questions about whether or not she is a replicant, and even though uh, Jay, as he's also called too, checks, like, under one of her eyes to see if there's, like, a serial code and, like, there's nothing there, he does at least, like, give her, like, the Voight-Kampf uh, test. Yep, another another thing to remind you that this is indeed Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, that's 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 cool, at least. Yeah, cool. Like, and, like, the eye thing, you know, because uh, for replicants, the, there's a barcode underneath the right eye when you look up to the left far enough. Right, right. But the Voight-Kampf test, of course, like, tests, like, subtle uh, hints in, like, a replicant. Yeah. yeah, but it's almost like a lie detector test, but with your eyes. Right, right. Eyes, but also, like, body. Body and, like, movement and, like, the way you speak and everything. Like, how how do you believe everything you say? Yeah, it's a test that measures all of your body movements, and, and, and then you while you are asked... Uh, very personal questions to test and see if you actually respond like a human being or if like there's something to your responses that's kind of uh pre-made so it's like okay fine that's cool like he gives her the voight comp test also like also kind of clues you in that yeah he is a he, he is a blade runner he is a blade runner because he has this thing because he actually has that yeah because <laughs> it's like it's because like because because again he also lives close to like essentially a pawn shop but like yeah he lives above where uh Doc Badger is. Yes, yes, but it's like, what are the chances that would even be there? So. Yeah, like I, so. Yeah, okay, that's that's some foreshadowing there. And also, like uh, with the Voight contest and like this test to see if like whether or not L is a replicant or not. The series kind of does this weird thing where they try to gaslight us into thinking that L isn't a bla- isn't a replicant or anything like that. It's it's kind of odd. Like they kind of would jerk you around like this because as soon as they do this, you know, 
Jay's all like, you're not a replicant. Like, not even the end of that episode, they go back to it and like, no, she actually is a replicant. Or the fact that we've seen her as a replicant before this series. We've seen her do these like insane feats of strength that only a replicant can do. So it's like... It's already very obvious she is a replicant. Like, why do this? Like, like I know the films, you know, with like uh, Deckard and Kay, there's like a lot of like, you know, are they replicants? Are they humans? And like there it's done well. There's like a lot more ambiguity to it. But here it's just like they're kind of doing it for the sake of doing it because it's think, a trademark. I, I, well, I think in one, I think it does at least, I think the Void Comp test at least sets up one thing where like he does the test on her and maybe the point is that like we know that she is a replicant, but like Jay is lying to her. Okay. He's lying to her in this moment to motivate her forward, which is meant to make you question his motivations more. Okay. I think that's what they were trying to go for. I guess now thinking about it, could it also be a thing where it's like, you're meant to get over how good of a model Elle is as a replicant, like so close to human, doesn't even have... Because she also doesn't have the serial number either. No serial number, so like, like, this is the most perfected version of a replicant that, to the point where they are literally right, more it might, human than human. It might be trying to put over her perfection, like the quality of like a replicant that she is. Yeah, that, that could be possibly what they were doing here. Yeah. So, hey, some credit there. Some credit there. A little weird in places, but, you know. It, it, it kind of works. We had to parse that out a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, also around this time, we actually do get confirmation that uh, of uh, Blackout, the short, that actually takes place before this. That was actually set up for this series. Yes, the uh, setup where um, uh, <laughs> at the time in t- the year 2022, uh, there was basically a registry made of replicants that was public for everyone <laughs> that resulted in replicants everywhere getting just murdered by humans. Yeah, uh, human supremacists because they didn't like the idea of replicants being so close to human. And so replicant rebels uh, dis- triggered a mass- triggered an EMP which caused a blackout like across all of Los Angeles that also wiped the registry clean. Well, they also, like, destroyed servers as well, yep. too, in the blackout, and they wiped out the records on that, so now no one, like, knows who was a replicant anymore. And it also gave the replicant uh, rebels enough time to uh, cut out their right eyes so they don't even have to, the barcode to look for. Right, right. Which, by the way, like, it is an amazing special. Yeah. Like, 15 minutes, but, like, we really get a lot out of it. Yeah, and... that's, that's a really good short, folks. Yeah, and actually, surprisingly likable characters with, like, you know, Iggy and Trixie. Like, we only know them for so... so so long but we actually kind of do dig them yeah but uh, also during around this time we uh, get uh we start to get more and more of those like flashbacks to like that event that uh, led to l where she is but it's like i felt they could have done that a lot better too like you know with flashbacks i had some filters and everything like that obscured a bit more but no this is like you just see the scene and we're gonna see the scene again later so like you kind of did that a little weird and i and also <laughs> i look at my notes now i made more points that like god it's still fucking dark in here <laughs> <laughs> We kind of already went over that point, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's get to the backstory here for L here. As uh, she and a bunch of other uh, replicants, they were uh, pretty much hunted for sport by a bunch of rich bastards. Yeah, a bit of a most dangerous game right here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very, very unsubtle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, okay, I see this. You know, robots, more human than human, and they're being hunted like animals. It's like, why does this feel so... Like, the obvious route they'd go. Yeah it, yeah, it does feel a little too obvious. Like, it's like it's one of my biggest problems with the series. It's like, for something with the Blade Runner name, it's kind of uninspired. Like, it doesn't really take advantage of being a Blade Runner story as much. Mm, no. Like, like, he, like this kind of, like, human hunting here. It's like, I feel like I've seen this I've already. Seen this tons of places everywhere. You know, just, like, something that's close to being human being treated as less than human. Like, 
We've have we have so many stories about this all over the place. So many danger most dangerous game parodies. Like, come on, like Simpsons <laughs> had the final word on this. Yeah, they did. <laughs> uh. Uh. And yeah, like the flashbacks we see L have, they're just full on the same scenes here. Like they didn't even bother to reanimate them. Like we just see that they just reuse the animation over and over again. One of the most recent Bruce Willis films. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> humans hunting each other and stuff. Like, uh uh, if only, uh, if only we, this was live action, we can have Elle with, like, an earpiece having her lines fed to her while oh, she's God. separated from the rest of the cast being behind a tree. Ugh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, one thing I want to point out uh, now, uh, we haven't talked really much about it, uh, the OST, the background music, uh, what do you actually, what do you think of that? It's fine. It set, it sets the tone well enough. It kind of feels very droning in places, where it's kind of, it sounds like WWE cage lowering music with the doom 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 I think Michael Hodges made like a decent enough OST that sets the mood of the world of Blade Runner, but like fine, whatever. Like he he did that. <laughs> yeah, like doesn't really add much to the action and then then again the action doesn't really help either, so it's like it's it's like I'm watching a wrestling match with a flat crowd, like I can't really get invested. Yeah. Alright, so yeah, all the replicants are being hunted and everything like that. Uh L, she actually wakes up with the uh, amnesia, second amnesia, where like she last thing she remembers is being with like a boyfriend giving her a black lotus tattoo, and then woke up in this uh, most dangerous game scenario. And then all the other uh, replicants are being hunted down and killed, and we do see a point where it's like these replicants, as much as they want to, they can't fight back. We see one try to throw a punch and can't do it and then and that's where we see, like, oh, this is the kind of replicant that we're seeing right here, the Nexus 8, where it's, like, they can't disobey any orders and they can't turn on any of the, any, like, humans or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of the rule of robots right there, as Gazmoth. But L ends up getting abused by one of the chasers, and she actually manages to find a way to break past that programming and stab him to death. Yep, and yeah, that's her, that's her first kill right there. Mm-hmm. But uh, she's the only one who survives, and then it leads into her escaping, hitchhiking with a truck, and then ending up in L.A. to where the series starts. And while while watching this, I, I, I have a question. It's like, did Elle get amnesia twice? Cause, Maybe slight amnesia. Because, like, you know, woke up with amnesia before the doll hunt, and then hit, hitched a ride, and then at the start of the series where we meet up with her again, it's like, she doesn't remember anything from the doll hunt. I yet. think it was maybe, like, trauma-induced. It, it was meant to be implied. Probably. They could have made that more clear. They, they, I, I think they could have conveyed it in a better way. A much better way, but it's it's something I noticed where it's like, wait, how do you lose your memory twice? Like, like if it's not trauma, could they have done a thing where it's like, maybe she takes, like, a blow to the head or something like that and ends up being found by someone or whatever. Mm. Like, something like that. Anything like that. Yeah, could have, again, could have told that better. But uh, then, you know, we see all these people that are at the doll hunt, which is what they call this uh, most dangerous game here. And uh, we actually do get to meet one of them afterwards. You know, he's actually a bit of a big wig in all of L.A. Yeah, they're they're all big wigs in some way. Yep, so the first one is, uh, is a police chief, the uh, LAPD police chief, which they kind of do this weird thing where it's like they slowly start to reveal him, you know, they obscure his face as he's talking to Davis. And then at the end, they kind of do a big dramatic reveal like, oh, it's it's that guy. Okay. It, it doesn't pull, it doesn't get pulled off very well. No, like I get what they're going for, but it's like, okay, you really didn't need to do that here. Because he already didn't look distinct in his flashback. No, no one looks distinct in the show. Everyone's <laughs> kind of have same faces or they blend together. Yeah, no, no one's, yeah, no one's like faces or designs are like really all that like good enough to like really pull off a reveal like that. Especially the, uh, the doll hunt participants. They're just all white people. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, this guy, I want to point out his voice actor here. Uh, Police Chief, played here by Stephen Root of King of the Hill fame. <laughs> who played Stephen Root end up on yeah, this? Yeah, like, plays uh, Bill Dotrieb and Buck Strickland, and now he's in uh, Blade Runner Black Lotus. <laughs> oh, and folks, if you thought we were going to pass up on this opportunity, you were sorely mistaken. Oh, just can you imagine... What kind of shenanigans Bill and Buck Strickland would get into with replicants or in the Blade Runner universe? <laughs> like, you have Steven Root here. You can't help but imagine that. Those those amazing characters in this fascinating world that we call Blade Runner. I mean, Bill wouldn't want a robot wife. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he goes to the, the replicant store or whatever and is like, Hey, hey, check it out. I bought this replicant right here. She's a very nice pretty lady. <laughs> you know, we do date stuff together, have... Nice conversations, you know, we don't even go to sex later, we just like to enjoy each other's company. Ah, it's very nice. Bill, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. The, of course, the only woman that would actually fall in love with you has to be a robot. <laughs> Which, by the way, you are contributing to the robot uprising, thank you very much. <laughs> Damn it, Dale, stop talking about robot uprisings. And they're called replicants, you gotta use the correct term. <laughs> Hey, man, I tell you what, man, talk about that dang old robots, man, talk about, you know, just don't be like, hey, well, no, I'll take me to your leader, boop, 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 you know, that's, uh, taking a really good night, man. Dang, you had a whole bit prepared for that. That was off the cuff, too. Jesus <laughs> 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 Like a, the Buck, how would Buck do, like, a <laughs> replicants? Oh, I don't even know. He'd probably just, he'd, he'd probably just go to, like, a rep replicant strip club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, would he, would he try to, like... Would he get in on re selling replicants, you know, like, the propane game isn't working, he starts selling, you know, Nexus 8s. <laughs> <laughs> tries to shut down and restrict propane. Yeah. Hey, old top, I got this uh, new replicant models right here. We're going to sell a lot of them. I hear Thatherton's actually getting into the replicant thing, so we got to get I gotta get ahead of the game here, old top. <laughs> then, like, it doesn't really work out, you know, maybe it takes place before the blackout, and then they're all like, okay, we got, I got to go. Well, good old boys, we, well, good old boys, we got to, like, shut down the replicant production. <laughs> Turns out they ain't doing so well right now, so we're going right back to propane. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why don't you uh, take care of these uh, replicants for me, old top? You know, why don't you... Uh, retire them. All right? You got it. <laughs> think of it as like the time you took care of those emus there, pal. <laughs> they actually try to shoot them like emus. Yeah. All right, I got... I'll, I'll take care of it. No, I can't do it. They're so human. Wait, I found the strength. No, they're so nice. Oh, wait a minute. Are you making fun of me? No, you're just being a normal person. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Well, I think that's about all we got out of that. Uh, bit. Yeah, that's all we got. We milked that for all it's worth. <laughs> uh, so we get into kind of uh, what is essentially Act Two of this uh, three-act structure of Black Lotus, where we're at the part where L's just basically kill all humans, kill all humans. Hey, sexy mama, wanna kill all humans? Kill, kill these specific humans. Kill she, L, L is a hit list now, and she's hunting them down. Hunting down the uh, the top one percenters here that uh, orchestrated the doll hunt. And uh, during around this time, we, we uh, five episodes in, we actually meet an actual Blade Runner. You know, we get introduced to one that's kind of in the background that'll be an important character later. Yes, Marlowe. Played here by uh, Josh Dumel, an actor who I hear is famous, but I don't know what he's famous for. Can you name any roles of his? By any I, chance? I have Wikipedia up right <laughs> about now. Can Wikipedia do that? Yeah, uh, yes, it can. Let's see. Um, oh, boy, he's an All My Children actor. <laughs> 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 Okay, um, Transformers The Last Night. <laughs> was he, was he anyone important? 
Uh, he... Was, he... was he friends with Sparky Mark? Hold on. He was Colonel William Lennox. Oh, so he's, a, he's an army man. Oh, you actually know one of his roles. He played uh, Harvey Dent from Batman the Long Halloween uh, animated version. That's right, he was in that. Yes, he did do that. Not a bad job. Not a bad job. Yes, yes. He was in a segment of Movie 43. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, his, wow, his, his Lennox character in Transformers was recurring. Really? From Last Night Onward? Yeah. No, from like, the, he was in the first Transformers Oh, film. from the, the LaBeouf versions? Yeah, that should really, yeah, that should really say like all, yeah, that should be more clear that's the entire Transformers series. Huh. <laughs> Oh, he plays uh, a lead role, uh, the the Utopian from Jupiter's Legacy. Okay. Um, Captain Flynn from Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Alright, kids love that show. He was the fucking voice of Oz from Fanboy and Chum Chum. He was in Fanboy and Chum Chum? <laughs> I know the ca- I'm, I'm familiar with that character, too. That had to have been before Transformers, right? Uh, 2009, 20... No, he did He did the first Transformers film before that. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, comic book sh- the comic book store owner in that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's, uh... We, we do, in fact, know stuff he's done. I think I also do know he did host a Kids Choice Awards one year. Not a year I watched, because I gave up after a while. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he was there. Probably because Jack Black wasn't available. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess I guess technically he's the most A-list actor they have in this in this uh, cast. And then again, how do you quantify A-list? I yeah, guess. how do you? But uh, yeah, yep he he will be around, Mr. Marlowe, right here. He's a he's kind of a lingering presence in this show. Yes, uh, a Blade Runner with a connection to Jay, and also uh, very skilled at what he does. Yep, and knows how to, knows his way around a shotgun. Yes. I also want to point out here, I got something in my notes. Uh, I noticed there are moments in the show here where they kind of take a little shortcuts with the animation. Namely, in the scene, you know, where uh, Jay and Elle are talking and uh, they have a little food and whatnot. Uh, they go out of their way to make sure you don't see what they're eating. Like, the food <laughs> is in bowls, for one thing, and uh, the camera is kind of positioned at a level where, like, the bowl is kind of almost eye level. It's at a distance, so you can't really see, like, what they're spooning out of them. Even at one point, there's, like... For in that in that same shot where uh, where we see Jay with his bowl, there's like some shit in the front in the foreground, like this parallax scrolling that's covering his bowl too. So make doubly sure you don't see what he's eating. Ah, smart move. Yeah, don't have to animate it. You just kind of go quick spoons. You don't don't see what they're eating. Eating air. Mmm, not bad. Got, gotta you know you know work smarter, not harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saved a lot of money on food budget there. <laughs> uh, there's a line here I want to bring up. Uh, where Elle's talking about, you know, since she can eat and sleep and all that, she asks, can I drink alcohol? Can I use it to forget? Hey, right there with ya. <laughs> uh, <laughs> strategic uh, sip right there. Respect. <laughs> also, another shortcut I noticed is, like, now that uh, Black Lotus, as Elle is starting to be known as, starting to become more infamous around uh, Los Angeles... Uh, police chief is, and since the police chief knows her from the doll hunt, he's having uh, his uh, cops hunt her down. And we see these cops that are all the same character model. Yeah, all the cops in the series kind of just look the same. Like, I know they have uniforms on, but like, you look past the glasses and the hat and the, the outfits, they are all 
white men with short blonde hair. Yeah, they all have, like, orange visors, hats, like, a good amount of stuff on their heads to, like, obscure their identities. Because that means the, the animators can copy and paste them yep, everywhere. Yep, you can copy and paste the same model. This is, this is like, the shit that Ruby does with, like, characters. <laughs> like, Ru- like, like, the series Ruby at its worst does this. And, like, Rooster Teeth has an excuse as they're not a big studio. Like, they're more of an indie studio. And they've at least gotten better with that in They've recent gotten years. much better. Like, their stuff now looks way better than they did. Like, even stuff like Genlock looks better than what they used to do. But at their worst, this is the kind of shit they would do. And it's like, now Blade Runner is even doing it. Yeah, a series made in 2021, Year of Our Lord, is taking shortcuts that you'd see in, like, a mid-aughts uh, computer animated series. And it's like, but then again, it's like, fuck it, whatever, they're cops. Like, they're gonna drop dead pretty soon anyway. Yeah, fuck them anyway. By our, like, protagonists. Like, fuck them. Yeah. So, Elle goes on a bit of a hunt here, and uh, before going after the, to get to the police chief, she goes through uh, the one thing that he cares about the most, uh, his wife, played here by Peyton List. And she's just a non-character. Total non-character, living in a mansion that looks like the Spencer Mansion from RE1. Rich lady, that's her character. Rich lady, cocktail dress, high heels, that sort of thing, you know, tries to play dumb, thing, saying all like, no, I, I, I was just there as a guest, I didn't want to kill anyone, but then as soon as Elle threatens her, she's all like, oh, well, you got me, whatever. So yeah, Elle gets some info on some of the other doll hunt participants, then uh, Mr. Police Chief Stephen Root shows up, threatens Elle, and then Elle just kills the both of them. You know, she slashes the police chief, and then as the chief falls down, he shoots his own wife. Yeah, he accidentally discharges, like like Elle misses and kills her. She dodges and then shoots his wife dead in the chest. Yeah, convenient. I will say that was actually kind of nice. That was kind of neat. A bit, a bit, a a nice bit of choreography there. It was alright. Yeah. Could have used L just killing her. I would I wouldn't have mind that chopping her head off. Mm. But uh, that's a that's a thing with this series is like we have these deaths right here. It's like death in the show doesn't really have an impact. It's like oh you're dead on to the next victim. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's one of the re- it's it's like again it's like this revenge plot. You feel like you've seen it better elsewhere. Yeah, and like this isn't the only time this happens. Like we have more doll hunt participants to get to, so we're gonna have to rinse and repeat this a lot. Just L kills, done, next victim, bada bing, bada boom. Like, set up, like, an action sequence for L to get to the person, confrontation. Yeah, she's got to Metal Gear her way towards the, the people that she's trying to kill. Yeah, it's a bit samey, it's a bit samey around this middle part of the series. Yeah. At least in this first one, we do get one thing to kind of spice things up, and that's uh, Marlo finally arriving on the scene, and we get the first big action sequence between Marlo and L. And I, I, I gotta say, it's a little, little silly that a man with a shotgun is having kind of a hand-to-hand fight with someone who wields a katana, but doesn't use the katana, also uses their fi- her fists. <clears throat> shotgun, close quarters, destructive. I mean, take more shots with it, or if you, or at the very, very least, get the gun out of his hands. Like, kick it away, and then you can do, like, hand-to-hand combat. You know? I thought it was fine. Like, I honestly thought it was fine. Uh, I, he held on to that gun way too long. Like, get it out of his hands, then have a fight. Like, maybe, like, I still think it, like, I still think the fight scene works well enough with the shotgun in his hands. Yeah. Also, it's the whole bringing a knife, a knife to a gunfight sort of thing right here. Yeah, but she didn't really prepare for him to arrive, though. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't stop her from, like, kind of uh, matching up with him, you know, in terms of combat right here. They're pretty evenly matched here. Well, she has to get away from him at some point, so, like, I still think this this fight scene works. Yeah. I will say I do kind of, <laughs> I did kind of like how the fight ends just because of how stupid and ridiculous it was. Where they get into the kitchen, Elle's uh, katana cuts one of the gas lines to the to the oven. Uh, Marlo notices this. He's like, "What?" And then Elle notices it too. 
hits her katana on the counter, which causes a spark, which sets off a big, ex- big ass explosion. Although Marlo is kind of unfazed after that. He's unfazed while L falls out of the building and lands like 50 stories down below. Mm-hmm. But totally fine. Don't worry about it. And there was at least the cop lady there trying to like get get into yep. the fight as well. Davis was a part of the fight, but she kind of does nothing. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah yeah that's her first confrontation with Marlo there. Yeah. And yeah, we're not really gonna take a break here. We're kind of gonna blam right through the series. But yeah, we- we're already at the halfway point, and it's like we feel like we can skip over lar- large chunks of this. Yeah, but I do want to I do want to bring something up right here. Bit of a bone to pick with with this series. Something that I don't see a lot of people talking about that I'm surprised they aren't talking about. Uh, I want to give out about the fact that this show has fucking NFTs. Something as nothing as this series that really didn't make any big splash, and it was still farmed out for NFTs. Yeah. Like, just look it up. Search Blade Runner NFTs, and you will find the site. The site is still up. They're no longer selling them anymore, but that site is going to live on in perpetuity. Ah, oh, just a blight on the internet. And how does this work? Well, the way it works is that we have one pack of gifts like they are literally gifts i could right click save them and like <laughs> and i have because <laughs> fuck you you're non-fungible bullshit but you get a pack of these lame gifts every week after each episode and you get them at the low low price of 100 dollars a pop and, the, and they have like they have like different rarities you know where it's like you know you have common you have secret rare super ultra mega rare it's 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 like they're baseball cards or something like that. Are you supposed to trade them or something? I mean, that that is basically the idea of them. It's like you, you trade them off into another sucker. Yeah, another sap to get in on your pyramid scheme. They're they're worse than baseball cards. <laughs> <laughs> at least baseball cards are physical and you can kind of look at a guy with mutton chops. At least you can take a baseball card and put it in between the spokes of your bike and ride around your neighborhood and you will sound like a motorcycle. Yeah, or you can physically have it and get it autographed by your favorite ball player. Like, oh, I have a Joe Mauer rookie card signed by Joe Mauer. For the fact that they can do that alone, they're better than yeah. NF- <laughs> they're better than NFTs. But that's what Black Lotus was hawking every every time an episode dropped. Yep, and there are 13 episodes. So, if you're a stupid idiot with a lot of disposable income and you don't care about the environment or any of this technological crap, you would be spending a total of $1,300 in total for this series if you're an idiot. Ugh. And I am I am baffled that no one has talked about this. Like, in an age where people will jump down the throats of a poor Shonen Jump social media person because they think they might be doing NFTs based off an innocuous announcement, but, like, when something actually has NFTs, like, you can easily search it, what where's where's the outrage i want the outrage i think it's probably because the show just did went out, did go under the radar quite a bit that like <laughs> just no one really since no one cared about the show no one really cared about the nft bullshit it was hawking that is true because as heavily promoted as blade runner is and it was really really promoted on adult swim and everywhere on crunchyroll uh that was the one thing they left out you'll talk about the album and the art book but they won't talk about the NFTs. Like, it felt like they were ashamed of that. But whatever, gotta pay the bills. I, I don't know. Like, like, cause like, cause before this, even they put, Adult Swim put out like a Bird Girl NFT as well. Oh, they did? Yeah, they were giving, I think it was like a premiere, like a convention or like a tech convention or something. And they were giving out like, uh, and they were giving out, uh, bird girl nfts to people who are in attendance or something oh my god that's so crazy. like they've pulled this shit before they've now pulled it again i don't trust that they won't do it again i'm surprised i'm 
surprised but thankful that they didn't do that with the other Toonami originals. Like I had I had to look it up just to make sure that there weren't any Fena Pirate Princess or Shenmue NFTs out there. I was I was very afraid that there might have even been like a Smiling Friends NFT. Oh my god, no, no, no. I, I really hope Hadel and Cusack made sure that their contract when working with Adult Swim did not include NFTs. Like having no crypto clause in their contract. Like they they've been very smart with how they've been approaching that show. Like they learned a lot working on it. Like they seem like smart guys. I hope they had enough foresight for that. Yeah, just like you don't you don't need this and you don't need to get other people in on this people who will be your loyal fans get them in on this scam but you make a good point though fena crunchy roll another crunchy roll original no nfts shenmue no nfts why black lotus i guess because it's more mainstream compared to those because it is blade runner it is a well-known property oh you know what it could be and maybe it could also be the company that owns the blade runner name said that like you have to sell blade runner nfts oh could it be like uh, Time Warner, the parent company, could it could it be like they were all in on the NFT thing? Yeah, it, it could have also been that Time Warner was trying to get into yeah, NFTs. Or uh, Sony, they do the, uh, the distribution outside of America and they do the soundtrack too. Right, right. So maybe like one of the, maybe some of the higher ups like did that because like that does happen a lot where like someone like much higher in a position of power tells someone much lower or even like a creative or like a talent and tells them you have to sell nfts yeah like this is a... that's how like most that's how i imagine most musicians out there end up talking nfts yeah like maybe like the only people like maybe like the only musician out there that i think maybe legitimately <laughs> maybe like actually legitimately likes nfts and believes in them is maybe ja rule <laughs> but I, guess... I find it hard to believe many others actually like really believe in nfts i mean ja rule also thought firefest was a good idea so of course he would think nfts were a good yeah. idea <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i want i'm the reason i'm bringing this up not only because it sucks because nfts are fucking terrible and you're an idiot if you do that sorry not sorry but like i'm also doing this as public service to get the word out i want people to know that this show dabbled in nfts and i, I don't want to stand for it yes yes yeah, you know. And also, I would also say that Adult Swim also deserves to be dragged more often whenever they try to put out NFTs. You know, like the people say, bullying works. Like, let them know this is not good. Do not do this for your yes, other bully shows. bully these people. Tweet. Drag at, them. Tweet at the Adult Swim Twitter. No more fucking NFTs. Also, I gotta, I gotta point out, it's one of those fucking NFTs that say that they are environmentally friendly. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure it is. Sure yeah, it is. you'll be environmentally friendly eventually, probably... You know, we're one percent environmentally friendly. One is a percent. They're they're all fucking liars. They're, all of them are fucking liars that hawk those things. They're using so much electricity with those hard drives. Because every time, every time, every time, like an actual good journalist looks into that stuff, it's always like, "Hey, this isn't actually environmentally friendly," or like, "Hey, there's this problem right here." It's like, "Hey, you, you're you're lying to us a hundred percent of the time." You know, these NFTs and hard drives are actually raising the electric bills for people in New York who need to stay warm during this winter. But of course, this is like the modern era on the internet, so like everyone just fucking doubles down. Nah, man, on them. I'm a crypto bro. You don't know anything now, about this. I know more than you. Now they they all just fucking double down now. And now things are just getting fucking worse and worse. And now I had to reckon with the fact that my boy Matt Cardona is now getting into NFTs, and I just hope it's only a heel gimmick and not that he actually believes it. No, I no I'll drag him. Drag I will him I will drag him. you, Zack Ryder. Like, makes make signs of like how bad his NFTs are. Yeah. Like like fucking get his ass. 
You know, I'm, I, I hope Effie kicks your ass again one of these days. <laughs> and Nick fucking Cage. <laughs> but there's our entity aside for now. Let's get back into this show. As, uh, yeah, we do get the moment right here where, uh, we do get the confirmation that Jay is a Blade Runner as, jo- as Davis just shows up to just basically say, hey, you're a Blade Runner, right? Okay, th- okay, thanks, bye. She even does the whole bit where, like, yeah, like, like, I heard about you. I read about you. How many, how many, like, replicants did you retire? 100? 200? You were one of the best. <laughs> like, pulls that bullshit. And while Elle is hiding in a, in a locker, listening in on this while Davis is all like, hey, how many people did you retire? You know, did it feel good? Did you get bloodlust here? Because he's trying to get information out of him, but, like, he stonewalls her. But, yeah, it's it's very, very on the nose with... Oh, uh, yeah, sure. There's, there's there's no subtlety about this show. It's it's as subtle as, like, a, a freight train. Yep, yep, you were one of the best, Jay. Yep. One of the best. One of the best. You know, better than Deckard. Maybe one day in 2049, someone will be just as good as you. Someone even on... Who knows how to think like a replicant as well. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, more Wallace family stuff. Daddy wants to end a replicant project. And you're just like, Daddy, no, don't do this to me. <laughs> And yeah, I, a junior made more of the replicate, the human replicant models. That's where Elle comes from. And uh, we get to we get to another victim, guy by the name of uh, Doctor M, played here by Henry Cerny. Wait, <laughs> his name is Doctor M, <laughs> like the fucking Sly Cooper character. <laughs> I was also a fucking thinking... like Sly Cooper character that was voiced by Ralph May, the TF2 yeah. soldier. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, come on. Like, you couldn't give him any other, like, designation beyond that. You couldn't have just given him a name. Have, like, the M stand for Dr. Maverick or something like that? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. No, or I hear Dr. M and I think, like, are you a Bond villain or something? Man, I, I, I like, man, how do we get a bad Dr. M here? Give me the good Dr. Give M us from the Sly good, 3. Give us that good Dr. M. <laughs> I'm assuming he's good. I haven't played Sly 3, but I'm assuming he's good. Yeah, he, he's an entertaining villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and of course, voiced by the late Ralph May. But uh, Doc here, he uh, tranks L, and then we get some uh, experiments done on L right here where they analyze her uh, memories, you know, the memories that are real and the memories that are implanted on her. And we also see his assistant here who... I swear to God, he looks and sounds like Josh Gad. <laughs> like he's got he's, he's he's a very portly looking man with uh, big glasses, kind of fuzzy hair, and he's kind of got that he's kind of got that almost like Olaf voice to him there too, very wormy and that like that. Like kind of like a regular dude voice. Reg- to him. A regular dude, you know. I feel I feel like he's either gonna be Olaf or sing Book of Mormon right here. Like yeah, there is a kind of like Josh Gad quality to him. But, uh, yeah, they analyze her memories, and, uh, notably, like, her memories aren't from her point of view, like, they're all in the third person, so it's like, okay, how, how is she having memories that look like this? Like, was there a camera following her or something like that? Mm. And, again, using, reusing footage from the doll hunt again, gotta get, gotta get your mileage out of that. Yeah. And we, they see that, uh, memories have been tampered, and there's, uh, there's one in particular that has, uh, that, uh, Josh Gad didn't add, and they're all like, well, what, what is this, what is this? We get a we get a line here that kind of relates back to the whole did L have amnesia twice where it's where uh, Gad says replicant memories never fade artificial ones need to need a haze so all the fake memories they kind of have that haziness to them like you know maybe they're real maybe they're not while memories of that the replicants have that are actually there like she actually witnessed them those will never go away but then they did go away but then they came back like a day later so. Trauma, amnesia, Trauma, amnesia like, super amnesia, something yeah, like that. Selective amnesia. Yeah. So yeah, L kills Doctor M, beats up some more guards, and then Gad tells her about Wallace Senior. 
and also the memory with the, in the pool with the, her boyfriend, as she calls it, that that actually happened. Mm-hmm. So that was real. So yes, she actually experienced that. But yeah, Elle supposedly beats the last of her uh, hunters right here, and but uh, you know, revenge it uh, doesn't doesn't feel good. You know, you feel empty. You know, cliche is gonna cliche here. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, fine, Elle's feeling empty due to her her revenge, but hey, don't worry, Elle, you've got a bonus round here. (laughs) You can go after Wallace Sr. (laughs) Though before that, episode 8, get a recap episode in this show. Yeah, why did this series need this? If you have only 13 episodes and you do a recap, please kindly fuck off. Do not do that. Like, I know the show took a week break for Christmas and New Year's, but it's like... I've just seen it. You, you it's didn't, only a week yeah, old. Yeah, you didn't need to recap anything in the series. The series is sto- so straightforward with everything it is doing and its writing and its entire approach. You don't need a recap episode. It's all easy to understand. Yeah. But yeah, Davis is essentially... It's all under the guise of like Davis recapping to one of her um, associates. Yeah, she's uh, filing her report about the uh, the Black Lowe's uh, crimes. Right, right. And she's kind of recounting everything, but like... The, the only thing that comes out of this episode of any substance is that Davis finds the remains of the doll hunt. Yep, she finds the bodies. She finds the bodies buried out in the middle of uh, that desert that was depicted in 2049 where the hunt was conducted. Mm-hmm. And uh, that puts her on the lead to, you know, track down the case further and, like, relate it all back to... Uh, the higher-ups, like Wallace Sr. And yeah, stuff. so this is where she realizes, oh, Wallace Sr. is the mastermind. Black Lotus is actually justified in doing what she's doing right here. Right, right. That is all the episode does. That is. While following the series, I was also following the uh, Anime News Network uh, reviews for this, because uh, so- some poor unfortunate soul had the the duty to review the series weekly. <laughs> and when they got to episode 8, they skipped it and go st- and went straight to episode 9. <laughs> like, they didn't even talk about episode 8 in the review, because in the review, when you look it up on the website, it says, Blade Runner Black Lotus episode 8 and 9, but it's just all about 9. They don't, they don't mention 8 at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't need any mention. It didn't, it didn't need to exist. Like, I remember when we heard of this episode, we were, like, having a New Year, a night of New Year's fun, and then we were all like, oh, great, Black Lotus is here tonight. But then we hear, no, it's a recap episode, and we're like, oh, thank God, we don't have oh, to watch. Thank goodness. But at the same time, wait, you're doing a recap episode? What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Episode, yeah. Uh, so yeah, L goes back to Joseph again. They talk. She's here to tell him that she's killing Wall Senior, and then she says, "Like, I'm not asking you to help. I'm planning on doing this myself. Why did you come back then, just to tell him this? Because because he's a character and like he's he's her only friend. Yeah. 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 She, she needs to, she needs someone to talk to to convey all this. Yeah. Because she can't just say it outright in her own. Can't she talk to Badger? He's nice. <laughs> I, I would tell him everything. He yeah. seems like a good man. Yeah, he seems all right. Mm-hmm. He'll help me discover where I can find real wood. <laughs> oh, yeah, it happens all the time. Elle goes to Joseph. Elle's gonna kill. Joseph's like, nah, nah, nah. And she's all like, fuck you, I'm gonna. Also, what, do, what do I have here? <laughs> I'm fading here. Okay. But, like, I, I, I looked at my notes here, and I, I, have a, I have a line here that says, big fucking Atari logo in all caps. That comes later, actually, I think. Or, <laughs> yeah. like, there's two, there's maybe, or maybe there's at least, like, two scenes with that. Because, like, there, there's one scene after um, uh, Jay has his fight with Marlo, where, um, I think it's after he kills Marlo, but then he looks up into the sky and he sees a big blimp with, like, Atari going on it and stuff. I think there might have also been another one, maybe with, 
I think when Marlowe is in his car alone and then he drives off, I think there might have been a big Atari logo on a building to the side of him. Mm, possibly. But may yeah. have been two moments, actually. May have been two moments. You may have been justified. Yeah. But hey, Atari somehow survives well into the future here. And so did Coca-Cola. That did too. <laughs> wonder what kind of new Cokes they have in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Coke, uh, Coke 500. Coke Super Orange. <laughs> uh, but yeah, L hunts down Senior, beats a bunch of guards. I'm kind of getting sick of that. Like, Jay helps out by, like, taking a sniping position. That's at least kind of interesting. Yeah. Marlo tries to apprehend uh, uh, L as well. And they have this fight in, like, this kind of, this, like, nature room that's in the wall. It's like a terrarium. Yeah, terrarium. Like, you know, there's not really any nature-y aspects in the cyberpunk future, so you kind of have to, it's it's a different setting, you know, spice things up a bit. Yeah, yeah. But I, I will say this is actually kind of better than their first fight. There is actually some good moves here, like, where L swings down going towards uh, Marlo right here with it on the bridge. Like, that's actually kind of the best part of the whole fight. Yeah, it is actually a good, like, well-constructed fight scene. Probably my favorite in the series. Mm, yeah, this is probably the best one. But it only lasts, like, 30 seconds until we're done with the fight. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, L kills Wallace Sr. Manages to get to uh, his office, which is uh, locked down. Gets to a hand uh, recognition scanner. Presses her hand on it. And it uh, scans her as uh, Wallace Jr. A bit of a mystery there. Goes to senior and then, yep, makes him shoot himself. He's dead. Yeah, like there, there, there isn't really much else to the scene. Yep, uh, falls out of the building again. Back with Joseph for R and R again. Yeah. Okay, so while senior's dead, okay. yeah, he's he's dead, and but we still got like what four more episodes left of this show, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I gotta say, at this point, I was starting to get sick of the OP that I just started skipping it. <laughs> and honestly, on my rewatch, like, like I will say this now, I watched it all on Toonami, barring the recap episode, because fuck that, but for for the rewatch here, I, I at this point, I just started skipping. I'm just all like, yeah, 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 I, I know this part. There's nothing here. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So some scenes already just stick in your head. Like, it's, it's all very simple, straightforward. It's like, L doesn't feel anything for revenge again, you know, just... We, we could have done a lot of this stuff the, the in feelings, a single go. The feelings here are not complex enough to really, like, parse too much. Like, it's, it, it's it's a testament to the uh, non-complexity of this, this series. Like, we just repeat a lot of stuff, like, with all these kills. It's like, you could have done this in one false swoop. Like, maybe have L meet some of the other uh, participants, you know, get close to killing them, but then they get away, and then maybe can have, like, a big... I don't know, which rich bastard party where they're all there and then she kills them all in one false swoop. Like, do, like, do anything extra with this. <laughs> yeah. Like, have more build-up to the kills, you know? Make us want to see these guys dead. Mm-hmm. But no, it's just all, like, as soon as we meet them, they're gone. So it's like, we don't have any, we don't have any time to revel in their deaths here. Mm, not really. Uh, but uh, then here we get uh, Joseph's backstory, you know, about him being a Blade Runner. Okay, can I just, like, recap this one real quick yeah, for you? Yeah, go for it, go for it, go for it. <laughs> So, Joseph's backstory is that he used to be a Blade Runner, and uh, he was given an assignment once to kill a lounge singer, who was a replicant, but it turns out he was actually uh, secretly in love with the lounge singer. Because she fine? Yes, because she was fine, and she sang really well, and like, this, this, yeah, and her singing in the series, like, it's it, fine. It's another one of those songs that don't matter. It's goodish lounge singing, you know? Yeah, but, um, I've heard better in Twin Peaks. But, you know, Marlo was still around, and he was telling Joseph, hey, you gotta do your job, you know, so... You know, he, he, don't, he don't take too kindly to robosexuals around here. And so Joseph, uh, you know, 
Even though it looked like, even though he was, it seemed like he was leading on his girlfriend that he was going to bring her, like, keep her safe or something, he reluctantly had to execute her, and that's that's a sad backstory. And then he, he says he's haunted by the memories of having to kill the lady here. I recapped that, like, so quickly, and that is an entire episode. That is a full episode. Yes. Padded out by two musical numbers. Jeez, you couldn't have, like, actually, like, pursed that, parsed that out over, like past episodes and this is the first we've ever heard of it so as soon as we start joseph's backstory we learn more about it. you couldn't have you couldn't have done what they did with l and kind of give joseph some his own flashbacks or whatever or yeah. anything like that just or any hints of that have a picture of the of the singer if he took, ever took one and then of course and then you see the singer as well and that's when you begin to piece together that joseph is probably looking out for l here a little bit they kind of look similar because they kind of look similar you know he has a type but we also then find out that after all this time, Jay was working for Neander Wallace Jr. Yep, which is all part of Jr.'s bigger plan where he created L to specifically kill his father so that his father wouldn't get in the way of him making more replicants, taking over the Wallace Corporation, making more next states. Yes. And, and and it was Joseph's job to guide L towards that goal. Yep, and then afterwards, retire. Yes. Here, this is where Elle realizes that her quote-unquote boyfriend was Junior. Like, through a long scene, which is kind of similar to a, to a scene back in the original Blade Runner, where it's like, zoom, stop, enhance, zoom, stop, enhance. Like, it takes a good few minutes, but, like, that's how they parse out that, that it's Junior that's in her mind right here. And then, like, yeah, we're now, we're now like, yeah, Junior's all like, okay, Joseph, you, you did your job, retire Elle. He's all like, nah, man, I'm not gonna. And then he's all like, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll get someone else to do it. So he has another replicant, another Nexus 8, uh, Water Lily, who is also played by Jessica Henwick. Yeah. <laughs> also, I want to point out, I, I have it written here, where, like, uh, Joseph, he's talking to Junior about this. At the end of the episode, you know, you hear the music kind of ramping up because, you know, it's the end of the episode. And Joseph goes, what happens next? And then the music goes, what happens next? Uh, I don't like this music. Like, a lot of the ending tracks are just all, like, somewhat related to what happens. Like, the episode before where Elle jumps out of the building and Joseph saves her, the music goes, oh, you saved me. Like, oh, come on. It's like barely barely relating to what's happening on screen right now yeah i really didn't like how a lot of the music uh, how a lot of the end credits music in the series had that quality to it like just being tangentially related to just what's being what's happening you know we gotta we gotta spotlight these uh, young up-and-coming spotify artists right here and we gotta sell that album because uh. none of the other music in the show is album worthy like do you think anyone wants to have on their Spotify playlist? Do you think anyone's clamoring for like the Black Lotus LP, uh, LPs that are being sold on Mondo? <laughs> God, do you think do you think the song the songs sound better on vinyl? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I imagine somewhere out there there's just a warehouse full of these uh, vinyls that no one's buying. <laughs> you know, similar to when Funimation had those uh, those Dimension W seatbelt belts. That they didn't sell because Dimension W sucks ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's another stay tuned, by the way, cyberpunk anime that we might want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe someday. Someday. But yeah, at this point, Elle doesn't really know yet that uh, Joseph is a... Well, like, well, like she's... Well, does she know, actually? Like She I, doesn't know Joseph. She doesn't know the connection. Not connection. I think, like, after she kills Senior, kills Daddy there, she goes back to Josh Gad to, like, just... 
have her memories erased and just start fresh. You know, no more, none of the memories of the doll hunts or any of the participants or even Joseph. Just start fresh. But then, still feeling empty by the end of it all. You know, she just wants to forget everything. But then, like, that's when the point where uh, Water Lily comes in to kind of ruin everything. And initially, Joseph is going to lead uh, Elle through all this and stuff. But then he tries to clue in uh, Davis to, like, what's going on. Like, hey, can you protect Elle? Something really bad is about to happen to her. He's having second thoughts. Yeah, he's, he's starting to realize, oh, I made a mistake. Yes. Like, I, should, I shouldn't be helping Junior here. Like, this doesn't help me, and I'm hurting someone else. Like, I should, ma- I should have a second chance here. I should get Elle to I, safety. I need my redemption arc here, people. I need to make up for the replicant I couldn't save. Yes. <laughs> you get it, audience? Yeah. You fucking get it? <laughs> At this point, I really wanted to be done with this during my rewatch. <laughs> you know, we get, we get more running through the guards. The guards are like enemies in Musou games. You just plow through them. But at least this time, it's Water Lily doing it. And at least her choreography kind of makes sense with her being a bit more flashy with her uh, action movements. Did they have to distinguish her further from L by also giving her, like, a medieval sword? <laughs> a medieval sword, and it feels like uh, Jessica Henwick is kind of putting on a bit of a British accent for her voice here. Really? I didn't really catch that. It's, it's very posh-sounding. She's such a nothing character <laughs> <laughs> that it didn't really come through well. But no, you, you know she's opposite of uh, Black Lotus here, because she dresses in all white, has white hair and everything, and she's meant to be she's meant to be the symbol of purity you know the perfect nexus 8 for junior looks like a looks like a french aristocrat ninja you know you'd you'd think she wants us to eat cake but i kind of want her to go into a guillotine but uh so yeah as as l is getting her is inside the machine uh in the process of getting her memories wiped water lily attacks and kills josh gad yeah and uh, tries to slice the machine in half that L is in. Yeah, but L breaks through, and then these two have a, have a fight all around this uh, science lab right here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 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 no, not bad, not, nothing special, but not bad. Yeah, it's a, it's an okay fight. Yeah, but then uh, cops arrive, they scatter, get to the outside. L's in another alley, but then here, there's a, this is where she runs into Davis, and Davis is. You know, she wants to be part of the story to be all like, "Hey, I can help you. I understand everything. I saw the bodies of the doll hunt." And Elle's all like, yeah, fuck off, pig. I don't want to deal with you. And then, like, Davis gets the ultimate jobbed out moment where she goes to call, talk about, uh, you know, say, like, hey, we got to put an APB on Junior here. But then she's killed by Water Lily in a phone booth. And then she's just out of the story for, like, the finale. You know, she gets she gets the Maze Hughes treatment. But whereas I ugly cried about Maze Hughes, I just, I was all like, yep, fast forward, none of this. Yep, yep, yep. Boom, non-factor. And then we get, uh, oh, we get probably one of the worst fights I've seen in the show. <laughs> the fight between uh, Jay and Marlo, where Marlo arrives at Jay's place, you know, they're having a chat a bit, and Jay flicks a cigarette in his face and they get into a fight, and it's just, it is just almost ten minutes of these two shooting, hiding behind cover, walking and talking. Well, well, this is where I slightly disagree I think, because, like, because again, like, when I see this, like, I think it's, like, not really too dissimilar to any other shootout I've really seen. Like, it, it's fine enough. Like, there's the tension between the two characters. It's fine enough. Marlo is, like, cold, doesn't care about replicants, and, like, Jay, he's trying to fight for L here, you know? Like, it's fine enough. It's just all of the surrounding elements that make it up are not good. It's just, and also, it's just, it's way too long. Like, cut it down to five minutes, and it still would have worked. But it's like they had to just keep it going, and there are moments where it feels like, okay, the fight is over, we get a bit of a respite. Well, then Marlo shows up again and starts firing at Jay, and it's like, 
it's not over. And then you think it's over, you know, Marlo's down, but then he gets right back up. He kind of Mike Myers, Michael Myers, Mike Myers, Michael Myers up, you know, surprisingly. And then the fight just keeps continuing. It's, it's almost like they, they book him like a slasher villain here. Some of the cinematography during it is kind of bland, too. It's also really slow, and again, the do-do-do-do-do music right here. Like, the only good thing I will commend about the scene, like, one thing, one thing is that the lighting does get better as the series goes on. They do manage to use more gradients with the shadows here. And one thing I do actually think is kind of a neat deal is the, uh, the spotlight kind of scene throughout the fight. You know, the spotlight that manages to capture uh, Marlowe as he's walking across the the balcony here. You know, we get to see him there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's at least the only decent part. And then at the end of the fight where uh, Joseph gets a hold of Marlowe's uh, shotgun, shoots him three times, he falls through the uh, glass ceiling and lands, and then the spotlight's on him as he's uh, slowly dying. Mm-hmm. Like, the spotlight's the only good thing about this fight, but everything else, fuck off. Yeah, could could have been a lot better. But, like, as far as shootouts go, I've seen worse. It just adds to the whole problem with the series. Like, none of the fights have heat to them. So it's like, if there was heat, I'd be into it. But there's no heat. It's cold. Yeah, because, like, you don't overall care about the characters all that much. I don't care. They don't give me a reason to care. But uh, there is an interesting thing about this fight where uh, Barlow does reveal that he was the one who killed the lounge singer. Because in the flashback, you know, after Jay and the woman kiss, you know, we get a shot from Jay from his back. And we hear a gunshot, and then the woman collapses in his in his arms. Then we see that, oh, Marlo, he's the one who pulled the trigger, shot her, so Jay's hands are completely clean here. Because it wasn't clear enough in the original scene. Yeah, and I, I guess you can kind of look at it and go, like, okay, how did he shoot her? Like, did he reach around, shoot her in the back without having to shoot himself or there? Mm. But yeah, no, Marlo did it, so it's like, Joseph's completely clean from any guilt right here. Well, like, he still feels guilty for getting For leading her to getting killed, yeah. Yeah, he's, he still feels somewhat responsible. Yeah, but yeah, he didn't pull the trigger, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, now time to kill Junior. As L confronts him and he just spouts some fucking shit. I don't care. And L, like his motivations are so straightforward. Like I just wanted my dad dead so I could like build replicants and be be a modern guy. I want to be a big wig in L.A. and make all the robots in the world. I mean, he he was a lot more. He was a much more compelling character in like 2049. Oh, much more so. Yeah. Despite the fact of being played by Jared Leto. Like whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Who cares? He did a good job. But yeah, L and Water Lily have a fight. This is the point where I just, I, I kept fast-forwarding again. I'm just like, yep, 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 fight, fight. Yeah, fight. by the time you're at this fight scene, you're kind of just tuning it out. <laughs> like, the last fight lasts seven minutes out of a 23-minute episode. Jesus. Yeah. So while this is all going on, Joseph sets up bombs in the replicant factory plant at uh, next to uh, Junior's office. I think it's like his R&D department where he's, like, developing new ones. Yeah, that's where the uh, the next models of uh, replicants are being made right there. So, L wins the fight, and then Junior kills Water Lily because she's imperfect. You know, she lost. So, yeah, you're you're no longer the perfect replicant. You're not my Water Lily. And, of course, it kind of doesn't matter because L cannot, still cannot, like, still, like, is still hesitating. Yeah, like, even though she's killed other people, like, for some, I guess Junior, because he's kind of the, he's the one who really controls her, she can't kill him. Right. Like, she can break her programming to kill other people, but not him, like, because he's the head of the tabletop dog, big dog. She does eventually kind of find, like, a bit of a loophole in this where she stands in front of him, then just swings her blade just indiscriminately in front of her, and then slashes his eyes, which shows, which basically explains, like, why he has fucked up eyes in 2049. Right, right. And, no, then, I, she, and then she at least gives a line, and then she gives that line where she says, I'll be the last, I will be the last thing you ever see. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. Junior's acting here, I gotta point out. For a man who got his eye slashed by a katana, 
he sounds more like he stubbed his toe. <laughs> He's all like, ah, 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 He could have ah, sold, ah, sold that a lot better. Just more like, ah, my fucking eyes. Yeah, that, that, that was ah, not... Ah. I did not believe that he was a man who had his eyes cut out. No, no. <laughs> Uh, no, no one in the show can do reacts well. Yeah. Uh, Joseph sacrifices himself, you know, he's all like, you go, I'll stay here with the bombs because I need to repay my debt or something like that. I don't know, life for a life, whatever. Big boom. And flash, flash forward to one month later. Oh yeah, Davis is still alive for reasons and now she's in a wheelchair like Professor X. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't solve anything. You, you, you did, you did nothing, Davis. <laughs> You were the most non-factorous non-factor since Deborah at WrestleMania 17. <laughs> and then we have Junior as he's uh, he's still alive, eyes fucked up, and he's preparing for 2049. So he didn't learn anything. We're just this is this whole series was just to set up how Junior got a hold of the Wallace Corporation and why he looks so weird. He at least has like one good final line where like uh, after like after like telling his secretary like just 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 handle things like things are okay, and then he says the line. All I can see are limitless possibilities. Eh, not bad. Yeah, that was probably my line of the series. Yeah, you get two good lines in the final episode of Black Lotus. Yeah. Yeah, one point to you. And then, yeah, Elle pieces out on Joseph's motorbike, leaves Doc Badger, and as she's driving away on her big Star Wars speeder into the desert, we see another speeder off to the corner, but yeah, cut to credits, we don't care. See you in the next season, we hope that doesn't get made. Like, maybe the implication was that, like, Joseph survived or something? Somehow, even though he was in a locked room full of C4 charges. Like, someone who knows her is following her. Like, it's sequel bait. It's sequel bait. I also hear people think that it might be K or something like that. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Whatever. I don't want another season. No. Curtain down. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's Blade Runner Black Lotus. Th Thank this is wow. Th th this was just a no this was a very nothing anime. Thank you, Springton. There will be no encore. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, vinyl thoughts. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> what more do you want from us? Like, what more can we really say? This was such a boring nothing entry in the Blade Runner franchise. And it just happened to end up on Toonami. Yeah. And that's why we now felt obligated to, like, watch it. Yeah, because I'll, I'll let you all in on a thing here. So for, like, a, any future episodes that are relating to Anime Detour, our Detour Go Home show, as I want to call it, I would like to relate it to something, to panels that we're doing, specifically Toonami panels. So since this is a Toonami show, why not, why not, why not talk about it? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, so much about Blade Runner Black Lotus is, um is a very underwhelming uh there was because like we experienced quite a bit of hype for this one we were excited for like something akin to like a blade runner anime maybe i was thinking something akin to like i don't know like 
the animatrix or something. I was also thinking that too, a bit of an animatrix kind of thing. That's those were my initial hopes for this, mm-hmm. and uh, those were thoroughly dashed by yep. the end of the series. <laughs> like whatever good aspects the series has is uh, are like buried under just yeah, very uh, overall very lackluster production, um, just mediocre acting, uh, bad audio mixing in parts. Uh, unimpressive music, unimpressive soundtrack, and a very and a way too straightforward uh, plot for Blade Runner. The thing about Blade Runner with their films here is like, their their two films and anything else, they have like a deeper meaning to them. You know, whether what what does it mean to be a human? What does it mean to finding purpose in life? Black Lotus has none of that. There are no deep themes, no messages, no anything. It's just the run of the mill action show. Just so happens to take place in the Blade Runner world. What was the point of this? What did we learn? Why should we care? What were we what were we meant to get out of this series? Like there's no story to tell here. It didn't really feel like it it didn't really feel like it added much to the overall themes of Blade Runner. The only thing this added is just how did Junior get into power, which you could have just had that as like a little bit of text at the start of of 2049. Because you have like you have such a good setup with like everything Blade Runner set up like in the timeline beforehand and like what the films also set up. But it's like, then you don't, like, try to do anything new and you just go for, like, a really uh, generic plot for this. It's like, all the films had stories to tell. You know, Phil K. Dick had a story to tell with Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Black Lotus has nothing. I mean, maybe, I wonder if maybe we wouldn't have felt this, like, strongly about it if, like, Blade Runner did not have the pedigree that it had. Maybe, but then again, why would you make it? But again, aside from that, though, then you just but you but then you're you would still be remained with a very mediocre like a mediocre 3D anime essentially 3D cyberpunk anime in an age where we already had disappointing cyberpunk media. Yeah, like pe- people know how to parse out like bad CG anime shows now. Like we've had we've had good precedents and bad precedents. Yeah, like a and lot like, of people you, can you can't half-ass a show like this, which they clearly did in parts. Like we wanted them to use their whole ass, but they didn't even use that. Yeah. And it's just, like, a, a big thing. Like, you know, Blade Runner, it's a mystery. It's a film noir. Like, where's the mystery? Where's the ambiguity? You know, like, first film asking, is Deckard a human or a replicant? Ridley Scott might say one way, but he's an idiot. But, like, or are Kay's memories real? Are the memories implanted in him actually happen to him? Like, and does having those memories make him just as human as anyone else? Like, you know, asking these questions, like, really getting you to think, in the theater and afterwards talking about them. Fleshing out your themes, like, in a way that makes your uh, audience members actually kind of chew on it afterwards. Yeah, like, any questions the series may have, they just answer immediately. Like, there's no ambiguity about them. Is Ella replicant? No. Okay, yeah, she is. Is, does Junior come in power? Yeah. Okay. How how does he get his eyes fucked up? Oh, Ella slashes them. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's it. Acting's not great. It sounds like everyone is just out to lunch phoning it in here like this this almost felt like a paycheck job for a lot of them yeah it did in some part animation is very jank and very uncanny valley in places where it's like you try to be stylized but at the same time you're trying to make them look like the actual actors or like actual people it's like what are you going here for it's notable it's also notable that in the series that whenever there is good lighting on a character it really highlights just how bad the character models are yeah like when people talk about cg they always say like put it in the dark so it hides all the imperfections but when it's in the dark you can't even see because it's pitch black but then you put it in the light then you see everything and it sucks 
You know, when I look at Black Lotus, like, I think back to, like, when we were younger and, like, we didn't know any better and we thought the Clone War and we thought Star Wars, the Clone Wars looked bad. <laughs> man. Oh, man. We didn't know what we were talking about back then. We didn't know what bad, what, like, like piss poor actually was. Like, right now, I, I will eat my words and say Star Wars, the Clone Wars, and also Star Wars Rebels, by extension, have has really good CG animation. Like, that is some good animation. They, they, characters emote well in that series. Everyone, you can get no their series. personalities through any of the subtlest movements, and also the lip sync isn't all over the place. <laughs> and everyone is just so stylized and designed that even though they are stylized, they fit super well in the Star Wars universe. Like, these are Star Wars characters. But here it's all like, yeah, you could be Blade Runner characters, you could not be, you can be Final Fantasy Spirits Within characters, you could be Cyberpunk characters, which nothing about you screams Blade Runner. All you scream is, please cosplay me at your next convention. <laughs> I feel like they should have just gone full stylized. Like, try not to be realistic. Like, it's a cartoon, be a cartoon. Yeah. And man, does stuff like this make me worried about, like, other Crunchyroll productions, too? Yeah. Like, I, br I brought up the Jeff uh, Mother's Basement uh, video earlier, and it's like, they do not have a good track record with this, and everything seems so half-assed. Mm. There's still more coming. Yep, still more. I yep. mean, <laughs> very like yeah, uh, a very yeah, being becoming a real mixed bag seems to be their uh, strategy going forward. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and God, it even it even makes me almost like uh, worried for like other tsunami productions that are coming up, like uh, Uzumaki. Like I'm still hopeful because that's only four episodes, and at least from the trailer, it looks like they're really taking care of Jinji Ito's work. But with this, it's like it makes me it makes me second guess myself, going like, yeah, but it could also be just absolute utter shit in four episodes too. Yeah, there's a lot that you can mess up in that amount of time. Shows like this, where they like Toonami like willingly puts themselves into, just makes me worried about like other works they try to put their money into. Yeah, and like that's a thing when it comes to certain shows, where it's like a bad show is one thing, but a bad show that came in with a lot of hype, it's like. It just adds to the disappointment, or it just makes you wonder, like, what did you see in this? What made you think that this would be the next big deal? Mm. You know, that's how I felt about when Black Clover came out. Like, I really didn't like that because it came in with a lot of hype when it was just a mid-tier shonen. Mm. Overall, with the series, just lifeless and just soulless. It's felt like disposable content for the sake of content. No point in making it other than it's Blade Runner and Blade Runner sells. It's a popular IP. I disagree a little bit further in that, like, I think there were actually some, like, f some smaller, finer points to the series, but, like, it really needed to be, it really needed, like, more work and just, like, a much more polished production, you know? And it needed to be more than just another action series. Yeah, I felt like they were just, they were, they were too focused on making money with this, because, like, when you watch the episodes, it was all, like, you got bombarded with commercials, like, sell albums with songs because albums sell, you know, get them on Spotify playlists or get them into the credits of the music or sell an art book that's going to come out later in the year after people have forgotten about the show. Yes. Or the worst thing, of course, selling NFTs. Like, once you go down the NFT route, you know you have no soul with your show. You know this is just disposable income just to make money. Yeah. And by the way, I get going to do the math. I, I mentioned it earlier, but I'll, get, I'll hit you with another thing here. So, you know, it's... $1,300 a person if you buy NFTs every single week with this show. Uh, they also sold packs 150 a week, So, and I checked. They sold out. You can't buy them anymore. So, yeah, they sold all of their 150 packs a week. So, doing the math, 100 bucks, 115 packs, 
That's fifteen thousand dollars a week for one for one week of packs. Combine all thirteen weeks, you get a grand total of one hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars on nfts alone oh my fucking god fuck that fuck that this series swindled to almost two hundred thousand dollars on bs gifts alone those fucking like hedge fund losers <laughs> like <laughs> and marks ate this shit up yeah were they worth it were they worth it were they worth it are you gonna use that 200k to fund your second season or are you just going to run away to the bank with it, not even pay your hand raise or anything like that? Ugh. Just, that alone should tell you how they felt about this, and how we should feel about this. And I want more people to know about this. This show dealt in NFTs because they are soulless and they don't care. Do you think there will be a season two? I, I think they're going to try to push for it, but I hope there's pushback from it. Mm. Like, I hope, like, I did yeah. look at the ratings and I know ratings nowadays don't really matter as much as ratings back then you know we're not getting the millions or anything like that but because like it's just hard to it's hard to calculate like online views online too. views with streaming or anything yeah. you know we have a youtube tv it doesn't really connect to nielsen ratings or something like that yeah but i did hear about the ratings for the show and it was a very steep dip from you know black lotus taking over from when fena left off like fena got pretty high ratings but then as soon as black lotus came in it was just really it took a sharp dip didn't help by the fact that for the first two months of its broadcast, they had endless marathons of the series, just basically wearing out its welcome almost immediately, and just getting people to tune away in drives until good stuff came back on the block again. Oversaturation. Like, it was so oversaturated to death. Like, Black Clover wasn't even this oversaturated when it came out. Yeah. Like, this series, weekend, weekend marathons over and over the place. It, it drove the fans away. Really trying to get their money back on it. <laughs> They're really trying to make good on this investment. You know, that 200k probably won't cover most of those costs. There might also be another factor as to why they didn't, like, bring it back in the block, because they marathoned it a lot. Yeah, they probably blew through their TV deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's... I, I personally don't think there's going to be a season two of this. There, There is no future for this. I hope this goes the way of Cowboy Bebop live action is, and it's just cancelled. Yeah. Like, no one wants this. I know people say it's good, but it's... I see people like that who see who say, like, NXT 2.0 is good. Like, yeah, you can like it, I just don't care. It's not the same for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you go enjoy Grayson Waller, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't hate Blade Runner Black Lotus, but I'm very disappointed in it. Extremely disappointed in, in you, you know, Blade Runner Black Lotus. Go, go to your room, no supper, you're in timeout. Thank you all for listening. I hope I was in. Oh, I, I hope I wasn't incoherent. God damn it! <laughs> I mean, you're you're drunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been your host, Mikey. You can find me at my social medias, Mikey Showed on Twitter, MikeyShowed.tumblr.com, and Mikey Showed on the gram. Where can we find you, buddy? You can find me at Two Bits on Twitter and Wolfish Grin on Tumblr. Follow Anime Bay Bay on Twitter at Anime underscore Bay Bay. That's Anime underscore B A Y B A Y. Also follow the show at AnimeBayBay.podbean.com. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Just put us in the, the little doobly-doo there and you'll find us. Happy days. We'll soon be here again because uh, the next time you'll hear us, it'll be from Anime Detour. I'll, I plan on recording both of our panels and they will be on the podcast feed, you know, barring any unforeseen issues. Knock on wood. So expect uh, that weekend to uh, hear the uh, audio from our panels, uh, hopefully uploaded the same day as we do them or the very next day. 
Yep. Even you too will be able to uh, experience us as you could be at Anime Detour. You know, it's like if you couldn't be to the convention for whatever reason, it, it'll be just put it in your room and just pretend you're like in the audience listening to us. Yeah, you too can experience can have the con experience. Yep. So look forward to Toonami, A Year in Review, and Miraculous, Simply the Best, and look forward to our next podcast, a real podcast coming in April. What show will we be doing? Uh, you have to find out. Until then. Stay safe out there. Get vaxxed. Get boosted. Wear a mask. Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. Stop Asian hate. Try to make it a good year. Fuck NFTs. Fuck NFTs. <laughs> Fuck Black Lotus. <laughs> Fuck Crypto Bros. And we'll see you at Detour. See you all at Detour. And this has been... Anime, baby! That's it. Show's over. Good night, Springton. There will be no encores.